0: July the 11th, 2023 Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast Opening day at Saratoga We're going to dive on into the full card for Saratoga Thursday, July the 13th We're going to get some thoughts on all 10 of the races there Woodbine for Thursday I am very excited to uh, announce that we have now partnered up with Woodbine I will be helping to cover Woodbine races every day that they're racing Over the next Six months, the remaining part of the year We're going to talk all about the thoroughbreds We're going to help out on the standard bread side But every day there's thoroughbred racing at Woodbine We will be talking about it right here I'm going to preview the pick five for Thursday So very much looking forward to Woodbine And then on this episode, Secret Invasion Episodes 1, 2, and 3 Tim Kelly joins me We deep dive the first three episodes Positives, negatives, what did we like What did we think struggle to get us connected Tim Kelly joins me for the deep dive so coming up now from for the summer for the next few months every day there's racing at Woodbine at Delmar at Saratoga at Louisiana all four of those tracks Saratoga Delmar Woodbine Louisiana we are going to be talking about those tracks every day that they have racing either it be a pick five a pick four some best bets full card different wagers each day however I'm playing them but we're going to help Provide analysis and try to make you some money At all of those tracks all summer long Chad Cooper will continue to join us For this week in wrestling Eric's going to keep joining us for the NFL previews Coming up later this week We're going to preview the AFC North We just previewed the AFC East last week And then we'll keep going with Secret Invasion So football, wrestling, Marvel And then all of the biggest races all around the country All summer long All for free right here On That's What G Said Podcast No time to wait Let's get right on into the horse racing Portion of this episode We'll go to Saratoga first Then we'll go to Woodbine And then we'll finish up with our Secret Invasion Deep Dive episodes 1 through 3 With Tim Kelly Kick back and enjoy as we get into Opening day for Saratoga Opening day at Saratoga, it has arrived. One of the best times of the year for horse racing fans is the summer with Saratoga, with Del Mar, with the big racing meets that open. And DRF has the Saratoga Handicapping Store this year to help you out with everything that you need. You can get packages for every racing day at Saratoga or if you want to purchase things individually. But if you purchase them in bulk you're always going to save some money if you head to drf.com and look at the saratoga handicapping store you can get the formulator packages for formulator past performances those are the ones that we're going to dive into right now as we look at opening day i'm going to go through the opening day card right now share some of my thoughts give some of the ways i'm looking at approaching uh, wagering on the card maybe you need help with the clocker reports think about that baby races young races two-year-olds you need a little help there We've got clocker reports at DRF every racing day there for Saratoga. You can buy in bulk. You need help with the betting strategies. You can see how David Aragona and Mike Beer are going to approach playing the races at Saratoga. Two fantastic handicappers that know the New York circuit as well as any. Do you need some help? You can get some help from them. Maybe you want the daily picks, selections, and analysis for each and every day. Different from the betting strategies uh, the Wizard Saratoga products, everything you need for Saratoga at the Saratoga shop, and even just those DRF formulator past performances. Now, let's dive on in and take a look as uh, we will take a look at opening day card at Saratoga. And we're going to look at those daily racing form formulator pass performances. Saratoga starts on Thursday. As I am recording this on Tuesday, there are already the Thursday and the Friday cards that are out. So we like to take a look early on. Hopefully, uh, we can throw a couple uh, lobs your way. Or maybe we can lead you to a couple horses that maybe weren't on your radar that you'll throw into uh, some of your exotics along the way. Pick five kicks off in race number one on Thursday in the opening race of the meet. It's a first level allowance. It's an optional fifty. And just looking at the uh, the board in here, I thought the six was probably going to be the one to beat. This is a horse who I'm sort of intrigued by in this spot at this level from a gambling standpoint. I don't know what kind of value we're going to get from her, but she was very good early on in her two-year-old year. year, And then she's just been in stakes races against pretty tough companies since. Has she taken the step forward and progressed? Well, the first start of her three-year-old season said she did in the eight bells, just based on her figures. And then last time out, she got caught behind a slow pace in a race where Hoosier Philly was just walking the dog on the front end. So, She'll be in the mix for me in pick fives and stuff because I think this is going to be a good spot for her. Third start of the form cycle. She gets six. Like, if she's got a good effort in her, it'll be in this spot. From a wagering standpoint, the one that intrigues me the most is probably the four, and that is Honey Money, who is getting some class relief here. This is a softer spot. Two starts back. She was uh, in a match race, so it looks worse on paper because she was behind. She just ended up getting beat by 20 lengths. In a race where she was against a horse that's faster than her, and her form really fits with this group. In particular, the race that jumps off the page is the one that you see in Aqueduct at Aqueduct back in December, where she beats Bustin Bay pretty handily. She has a nice running style. She should be forwardly placed. I imagine she's going to be, you know, on the front end, probably even here stretching out to the mile and an eighth. But I don't think she's a need the lead. Type, but she just will be more forward in this race. And then you you kind of go through the field. There's not really proven front runners, right? So she's not a need-the-lead type, but you just sort of project her to be on the lead here, going farther. This is a horse who's got like legitimate sprint speed. She's quicker naturally than most. So I th- I think she's going to be forward. The one virtual reality should also be. Close up early on She was fine in her debut She had to take back from the inside She kind of got stuck in a bad spot She backed up, she ended up losing three lengths She had to tip out wide And she got going late Visually, she sort of looked like a horse Who longer would be better Because she just was really getting going And starting to, to get some momentum built up At the very end of that seven furlong long race I just, you know, I don't know what I don't know if her price Is going to be great. I mean, she fits with this group. She's still going to have to improve and will likely be shorter than that. So while she wouldn't shock me, I just prefer the upside of another horse who I think will be forwardly placed like the four. This is a nine-time winner, Honey Money, who's proven at Saratoga. So four and six are going to be the two that I use the most. I mean, the fives, obviously a player here. Linda Rice is just in fantastic form right now. And Busted Bay is in really nice form. No real knocks on her. Just overall, I like a couple others more at the prices they will be, but she's like the measuring stick for this race. She's the one they'll have to beat. Those would probably be the four horses that I'm the most intrigued by in here. Honey Money has the the value. The uh, You know, no real knocks on virtual reality, just not the price that I think I want for her in here. Same could be said for Buston Bay. The six could be a little bit intriguing to me. Maybe some upside in this spot. Let's move along to race number two. So this one's a maiden special weight. We have two-year-old fillies and a bunch of first-time starters. What's nice about uh, the DRF past performances, you can take one click at the dam, and then you'll get a look at the pedigree here. So class of 63 was the dam of classy mischief. You can see her career. You can see the siblings, one of them, 63 caliber, grade three winner. We just saw finished third in the Lady Jacqueline in a race on Ohio Derby Day over uh, Thistledown. We also see Gunmetal Gray, who's a graded stakes winner, 63 caliber, graded stakes winner, not a bad little pedigree. Both of them won, broke their maiden in their second start, and you see five winning siblings. There's a, one of them that won first time out, Tale of Two. So what you do notice is with a lot of these horses winning earlier, winning in their second start, there is some precocity here in in the one. So it's nice that you can sort of look at those things with, with DRF formulator past performances. You can also take a look at Norm Cassie, see how he's done with first time starters or any way you want to quantify that even more. Sometimes you just want to look and see how they've done with first time starters overall. Then you can look at two year old, first time starters, two year old, first time starters at Saratoga, uh, sprinting, whatever you want. I'll sort of take a look at the big sample for this one. Just 14, uh, 14 for 129, so around 11% or so with first-time starters over the last five years in a five-year sample size. This particular runner looks pretty live, though. It's based on the work tab. Overall pedigree, no knock. She's she's 5-2. to two. It's not like I'm telling you anything you don't know about her. Clearly a test. The dam of this one was an eight-time winner, earned 400000 Barn is one with 10 of their last 78 first-time starters, 13%. I thought the four was an interesting horse. The damn Ratatap Tap won the debut. She was pretty honest. She just didn't win a whole lot and like put it all together all the time, but she was in some some good races and she was graded stakes placed. Ratatap Tap has produced two other foals to race, Juliard, who has won two races, Double Thunder, who is a four-time winner, who actually won the first two starts of his career, three of the first four and is a graded stakes winner in grade one placed. So a little bit of class, a little bit of precocity. So when I'm looking at first time starters and in a race like this, where you have a bunch of horses who haven't run all that much, I'm just trying to check the boxes. That's really what I'm doing as a gambler overall, as a handicapper. I'm not looking for like one thing here and there. I'm looking for a bunch of things. And you know, for me in this race, I think Soka pretty intriguing because the pedigree is solid. Damn that won early, Dan that had some class, two siblings, both multiple winners. One of them won the first two starts, showed precocity. First-time starters, Todd Pletcher, 23 for 137 with first-time starters at two-year-old, uh, two-year-old firsters at Saratoga over the last five years. He was only four for 31, though, last year. Do you think the price is probably going to be right? On Soka, she fits quite well for me. I prefer her, actually, over the other Pletcher who has experience, the one who took the wet track over at Monmouth. We can completely excuse it because of that, but I do like Soka a little bit better. Lady Moscato is the sixth. I thought the race at Ellis Park was pretty good. It was a fine start. It was third. It was a couple lengths off, moved up just behind the leader. This one's a half to a grade one winner named Salty. Four of her seven siblings won, and she already showed some ability. I think she's a player in here. Sugar High's dam was unraced, uh, 11% for first-time starters with Mott over the last five years. with firsters at Saratoga. She's okay. No real knocks on her. Just don't love her. Didn't really get to either of the outside two all that much. For me, I had four, six, two, and then seven. Could get to Sugar High if she is in that six, eight to one range. No, No knocks on her. Solid pedigree. Mott definitely capable of winning first out with the right type. It's not what he does well, but with the right type of horse. I think the horse has ability. I could probably be a little more intrigued in her maybe second time out but if she is eight to one range i have no problem throwing her in like an early pick four pick five lots of four sixes twos in the mix for me in the second race number three five and a half on the turf thirty five thousand dollar non winners of two i'm gonna go to the outside that there are gonna be a, a lot of horses in the like four to five range in this race i could see the one in that range the four smoking hot kitty a late running sprinter could see that happening with the six being in that price range i actually like the eight and the nine i think the eight has a chance to clear this field if anyone can go wire to wire it's the eight leona b the nine lena Wright. i just think this is where she fits her career makes sense to me her first few starts she Faced a little tougher than she had time off. She showed back up. Since then, she's gradually improved in each of her three races, and I can see her continuing to improve. I think she's she's in a good spot here. So 8 and 9 for me, the major plays. I mean, I don't really have knocks on horses like the 4 and the 6. I just like others more that are a little better prices. So that's those are the horses I'm going to build a lot of the stuff around, the uh, the 8 and 9. Move into the 4th race, this one's a mile and a 16th on the turf. It's an optional 80. The six horse, to me, is the most intriguing in here. That is California Queen, who's going to be able to put two starts together now. There's a lot of races where she has a race, then time off, race, and then time off, race, and then time off. And I love when you see that and the horse finally gets to put two starts together, sort of build that fitness level back up. I think California Queen will be sitting in a really nice spot from the outside. And I think California Queen is... I think she's the horse to beat in here, honestly. The entry will give you good two-for-one action. Like, I'm not as high on Salima. I could, like, she's absolutely talented, and she could win. I I might be a little, and maybe, you know, maybe I'm just wrong in this race, but I'm going to be a little cold on her here. I prefer the 1-1-A one, one and the 6 to her. Uh Messiador is another one I think is going to sit a pretty good trip in here. She strung together four really nice races last year including one of them here at Saratoga in a really similar spot. That race would be very, very tough against this group, the one she ran on July the 27th last year. And then she's third in the Noble Damsel in November. She doesn't really fire, but that's the first start off the bench. She comes back on May and in in June, and both of those races are sprinting. So now she stretches back out, two sprints, stretching back out to a route, making the third start of the form cycle. I think she's going to be ready for a big one. So I prefer some of these horses who I think maybe get like have their prep out of the way. Of course, Chad Brown can get a horse ready to win off a long layoff like this. I just like to see it, I think, more than taking the short price off the bench like this. 6-3 and the entry for me will take a little shot against Salima. And so I've definitely put her right into the winner circle as we move to race number five. These are some of the more difficult races I have a, a time with at Saratoga. These like $20,000 claiming races going longer, like a mile and an eighth. I don't really have too much creative to give you in this particular race. I wish I did because I, it's not as if I trust the favorites all that much. You have a couple big droppers, right? You've got both Portos and Ollie, my boy. Ollie, my boy was claimed for 50 and is in for 20. One for 62.5 at Keeneland, just two starts back and is, is is in for 20. And you have Portos, who was in the Brooklyn last time out, takes a big drop down in class. So those two, not in the best of form, big drops down in class coming off of lackluster efforts. Ollie, my boy, wasn't his win, was just two back, right? It's not as if it was a long way back for Ollie, my boy, the four. Those two are what make this race difficult because either one of them could err, either one of them just couldn't show up. So I think I like the horses who I feel are the best fits around this level, which to me are the 2 Dust Devil and the 9 who come out of the similar race that was on uh June the uh yeah, June the 25th. I actually like the 9 I think best in here 235. 235 Has speed, one of the quickest in here, drawn to the outside so he can sit off a little bit if he has to. We've seen him win at this trip. So going a mile and an eighth, it's not like it's his best, but he can get the trip and he can get the distance if he's in the right spot. And he had a fine start inside. He was third or fourth. He was tucked in. I think he was just a little bit flat late. And I could see him being. Closer either on the lead or just sitting right in a good spot And falling into it from the outside The number 9, 235 He was a winner at 25 They tried 50 A little too tough, 32 He's just continued to sort of Descent down the class ladder But he does feel like he fits here Because he's been competitive in a lot of these races So I'm going to lean 9 And 2 What do you do with both the 4 and the 6 and that's what I I don't like this race. And it's a brutal race for the end of the pick five because I wish I could feel stronger about some of these other long shots. If you're watching this and you see some horses out there that are bigger prices that you like a little bit, please let me know. I want to throw one or two in. Can we get to the 10 A horse like this who comes into a really good claim barn for the first time? Maybe nobody in here scares the heck out of me. I just, I didn't love any of these bigger prices enough. Silver dust. Can we get to this one coming into the Barkley barn? Can we get to, you know, Mount Travers? I don't know. I don't know. Let me know. Lots of nines, lots of twos in here. For me, as we get to race number six, start of the late pick five. This one was a little tough too, because you've got five horses exiting the June 17th race. And then you have the two running with scissors, who was a winner at the level on April 27th, beat open company on May 4th. And so is now right back down in this spot. And if he shows up with one of those types of efforts, he'll be pretty tough. But he's been defeated by some of these rivals, you can see. It's not as if he's unbeatable. It's just those particular races, if he comes back with something like those, he'll win. I thought Yarrow, with the blinkers on, getting off the rail, he got shuffled back in that same race. I mean, but that's the thing with Yarrow, with his running style. He does get himself into some trouble. He's the number six. The blinkers come on. I wouldn't want to take any shorter than four to one, but I think around that price, he's intriguing. Rough drafts, probably, you know, the one to beat really with his running style. They're going to have to beat him. But if running with scissors shows up, he'll he'll be tough. I just, another race I didn't love all that much. It couldn't really get you to uh, an intriguing price. In the seventh race, the 50 starter, seven furlongs on the dirt. This one, the one, I think is a good spot for Mark Henney. He claims this horse after a monster victory last time out. And that was when Into Happiness dropped in to a level to qualify her for this allowance race she seems a really good fit in here and she draws the inside can she just get a trip right hopefully she doesn't get shuffled i don't think she will be close enough to the pace to get shuffled i'm hoping you have the 11 there's another one who needs some money who i like a little bit coming in from churchill Visually, I like what I've been seeing. Her figures are a little light as of late, but she's been in tough spots and faced pretty tough company. Then, so I'm one eleven, the five with the blinkers on, cutting back, also in the mix for me here. But then after that, you I mean you can make lots of cases like the ten. Obregada is obviously a player for Linda Rice. She's been fantastic with these particular moves, bringing these horses from. Kentucky over to New York. You've got the eight Mersal, I think as a price player, you know, coming into the Dutch row barn first start off the claim And the three is another one for me. I mean, the nine condiment girl comes into the Diodoro barn first start off the claim. She was a monster winner. The three miscreant. So once I get that past that top tier, I think it really opens up wide, but one 11, five. In a lot of the uh the mix for me. The eighth race, fifty starter going a mile on the turf. I went to the 12. This was the Linda Rice first start off the claim, Chileno. And this is another one. She claims from Kentucky. She brings over to New York. The dam was a multiple grade one winner on the turf, and she's gonna go immediately to the turf with Chileno. The lone sibling one on the turf, and the last two horses. That Linda Rice claimed from Kentucky and brought her to, over to New York, both won. First start off the claim. She's been doing it with a ton of these horses. Chileno, the number 12 in the mix for me. I will be using the six. Unleash the Power, major player here. The four, My Sea Cottage. I mean, those are obvious contenders. This is a really fast guy, and he's going to be stretching back out. The five kingfish stevens he's right in the mix he belongs those would be my top top tier then two and three would be the next group if you're looking to go a little bit deeper born a gambler would be no surprise the three front man i just sort of stack them on uh, on my preference as we move to the Skylerville, the ninth race we've got a grade three for two-year-old phillies And I like the number, I like the horses in races like this that have shown they can sit a little bit because generally you're going to have a lot of horses that won in their debut showing just speed. So I'm looking for the six closing act. I'm looking at the nine uh, dancing Diana who did show speed, but visually she was really impressive at uh, Delaware. And I I got the sense that, she looked like she was kind of doing it easily. She's drawn to the outside. I wouldn't be shocked if she could sit off the pace a little bit. I'm a little cold on wine on tap, the seven. I thought she got a perfect trip, so I might let her beat me in here. Both the four and the five are in the mix for me. Status seeker, I think David Aragona made his uh, time form U.S. highlight horse and for opening day. And then the five Saratoga secret, I thought she was visually pretty good. Two path was uh, Saratoga Seekers at Ellis Park. Status Seekers' figure was a little low, but but she was kind of in between, and I liked what she showed. So nine, six, five, and four are the ones I'm going to build a lot around as we move to the closeout race. Race number ten, maiden forty claimers, New York Reds, a mile and a sixteenth. I'm going to go to. to, I mean, the six horse is going to be really tough. If or the seven, excuse me, um, uh, uh, R she shows up with one of her efforts that she's had recently. She's dropping in class. The one that I like at a big price is Follow the Fed. You know, his race or her race against Tougher. if you're just looking at the speed figure, her 57 buyer when she was facing Tougher wasn't bad. I think it shows that she might have a little bit of a ceiling to get to. Her June 15th race, she wasn't too far behind Piminova, and Piminova is going to be, I think, a little shorter priced than her. Follow the Fed was sort of inside in between, was in the two path, was in traffic, pushed back, lost two lengths, was back to sixth. Again, got caught in between, got blocked, and I think it's a little sneaky here. So I'm going to use the nine in the mix with the seven, 10 and 11 also for me on some deeper pick fours and pick fives. To close out, opening day at Saratoga, Thursday, July the 13th. Make sure to get to DRF.com for Everything you need there for Sarah Toga. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse, and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts For replays if you get the formulator version And even on the classic past performances You get the home screen with horses With odds, with buyers You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph You can rotate your phone for the best view And any horse that you click on You'll see the running lines You can easily move from horse to horse The same data as those traditional Classic DRF past performances You get an interactive format Which is Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone Cross device functionality You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next And then access your account on any of your devices On the go handicapping and wagering
1: True. But no, no,
2: no, stable do. Download the Stable Duel app and play today.
0: So here is the Stable Duel schedule coming up for this week: Wednesday, Cinnaboya Downs, Delaware, Horseshoe Indy, two different options. Thursday, Delaware Woodbine, two different games. So I am going to talk about Woodbine right now in just a minute and help you out with some of the races for that game. Friday, Gulfstream, Monmouth, Delaware. The Meadows has a free drive. And then Saturday, the Meadowlands, Canterbury, and Monmouth. Sunday, Monmouth, Gulfstream, Emerald Downs. Remember, next week, Del Mar will start, and we'll have games at Del Mar all the time and some help for you there. So there's a look at your stable duel schedule for this week. Let's take a look at what's happening With Woodbine as we dive into the Pick 5 for Thursday We'll be talking about Woodbine every racing day now Let's talk about Thursday, July the 13th Early Pick 5, it starts in race number 2 Getting ready for some racing at Woodbine this week. We're going to talk about the Thursday pick five over at Woodbine. And you can play that pick five. The early pick five starting in race number two, $50,000 guaranteed pick five pool. I'm always looking at the daily racing form past performances. I like to look at the DRF formulator past performances. You can actually get those for free right now. If you sign up for a DRF bets account, here's what you do. $250 deposit match bonus. So, Follow these steps at DRF Bets. Sign up, use the promo code winning. They're going to give you a $10 free bet once you register. Then when you deposit exactly $250, they'll give you a $250 matching bonus. So all of a sudden, there's your $500 plus the $10 from the free registration. They'll also give you free formulator past performances, 10 free formulator cards. And then once you're a DRF Bets member, every time you wager $50, you get another credit for a DRF past performance card. So you want to sign up right now for DRF bets because with Woodbine, I am going to be talking about Woodbine every day that they are racing now for the remainder of the meet. We have great racing coming up in the summer at Saratoga, at Del Mar, all over the place, wherever you're playing, you're going to need those daily racing form past performances. You're going to need those formulator past performances so sign up for a DRF Bets account right now. Let's talk early pick five on Thursday at Woodbine. We're looking at July the 13th card. That pick five starts in race number two. Four days a week of racing right now at Woodbine every Thursday. They will have first post at 4.50. Then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're going to start at 1.10 p.m. Eastern time starting next week. They they move their first post up just a few minutes on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I think, to 105. Eastern time and then every Thursday And Friday they have a guaranteed Pick five pool $50,000 It starts in a race two. you can play for 20 cents Every Saturday and Sunday that pick five pool Has bumped up to $100,000 Guarantee in the pick Five pool so you know every day there's Woodbine racing there's a big guarantee There's a pick five pool and you can play for 20 cents it Starts in race number two Let's take a look at this maiden $15,000 claimer, six and a half furlongs the distance I'm going to start with the number five in here Social drinker this is a four-year-old filly. Her debut race was very good. She was a runner-up coming from way out of it, going five and a half. And then in her second start, yeah, it was. She didn't uh, against a tough group that day, um, but she drew the rail and she had a little bit of trouble. It just was not a smooth journey. She was way out of it. Her third start, though, getting class relief, blinkers came on, and it was a good effort. Again, she had a slow start. She was last. You actually know, watch the replay right here when you pull up the daily racing form past performances. So she was the one she draws the rail this day and watch what ends up happening. Um, It's just not the smoothest of trips for her. She's slow start. So she ends up last in this race to start. She's about six lengths off and she ends up moving to the two path and she kind of gets stopped. She has to back up again. She moves in between horses again. Nowhere to go, but traveling well, she ends up having to tip out. See, like right here, she moves in between horses and has to tap on the brakes because there's no room there. So again, when she wanted her momentum, her momentum was traveling well and it wanted to push her up. She got stopped again after the slow start. Now she's just kind of sitting at the back of the pack, traveling well. She starts to go in between and then she's going to have to tip out and she's just a little bit flat late. Um, right here, you could see she wants to go. Like she has some run. She just doesn't have anywhere to go. And then they've got to angle her all the way around. She's sort of still looking for room, trying to find a spot. Can she get in between there? No, let's just tip all the way to the outside. And here she comes. And look, she's not far out of it right here, but she has to use so much and just kind of shift herself around just to get up into contention. She's a little bit flat late. She's kind of hanging on the wrong lead there. But I thought there's something here. With social drinker, the number five, eight to one on the morning line. She's going to be in the mix for me. Chloe, the number two, smoking Chloe. She's a major player in here. She had a fast start from the outside. She just couldn't cross over. She may be the speed of the speed and the one to catch in here. She gets the inside, the more inside draw, and she's faster than the one, certainly. So if she gets a good start, she could be tough to run down. The five and the two are my top two in here. Following that, I would go to the 3 Muchalina, first-time starter. She's intriguing. Her dam was a four-time winner. You can click right here and see uh when you're looking at the daily racing form past performances that Katie O was a four-time winner and uh doesn't really have anything to report when you're talking about direct siblings, only one other one and uh was a maiden. The number 6 Castleton, 12 to 1 on the morning line. She will be one of the quicker in here. She she was down on the inside and she was part of a three way battle. And then she had to take back and kind of check out of a spot. And she tried to come on again. But that's, that's really hard to do, especially when you're kind of at the lower levels. She wouldn't shock. The seven would be the other one. So I've got five, two as my top two. You wanted to go a little bit deeper, three, six, and seven. I mean, I don't need the seven in here. I just, I like others more with a little more upside as we move to race number three. Second leg of the pick five sequence is a $15,000 claimer going a mile on the turf course. Ali, I'm out in the Menagerie. Ali. Uh, Menagerie is going to be in the mix for me. Look at the turf effort. Two starts back at Fort Erie. That race on the grass is one of the best turf races in the field. And honestly, just off of that alone, I think you have to use this horse in your pick fours, pick fives, any type of early exotics that you're playing. The two's the horse to beat. P.S. Rising Star. Has been consistent on both services over the last few. And is is the measuring stick for this race. He, the only turf race was behind a runoff leader. He was third, six back. He's closed down the center of the racetrack. He's just sort of tough to leave out. She, PS Rising Star, she's sort of tough to leave out. And the five would be the other one for me. Uh, Frowlin Victoria is actually my top selection. So her race, let's watch it. I thought it was really good. She just looks pretty fast when you watch her. She's the eight in here. She's also in the race with the number five, Ashley's ring. Ashley's ring is in this race on uh, Thursday, and Ashley's ring is the number six. So we're watching the the five and the eight. Watch Fralin Victoria. She's going to get to the lead. She's quick, and she's able to clear here. And I just thought with this speed – First time out of the box, going 7.5 furlongs, which is not easy to do. So she gets the lead. She's dealing with pressure on the outside. And she continues to, you know, flash that good speed. What we'll see with her is she puts the early speed away. And at the top of the lane, she's got the lead, and she's trying to kick for home. But after that pressure, and having dealt with that pressure, she's going to tire a little bit. And right here, early in the stretch, you see... The three horses that were just sitting the trip behind, they're going to come and they're going to, you know, they're going to pass her. But she doesn't just stop. She's still trying. This was just the debut. And looking at the rest of this group, she is one of the quicker in here, no doubt about it. So I like her quite a bit, making her second start. This barn is fantastic with horses that make their second start. You can take a look at the statistics when you dive into the daily racing form database. So you can look at second career starters and you can see that uh, they've always had good success. You know, 20% over the last five years, winning with 17 of the last 83 of them. And they've won with two of their last three horses making their second start. So we can expect some improvement for from a horse who already I thought ran really well in the debut and might have a pace advantage over this field. Top selection for me, the number five, Fraulin Victoria. She's six to one on the morning line. I thought if she's anything over like seven to two, that's fair. I'll use one, two, and five all over the place. The three wouldn't shock me. Forever Danish. She will be more forwardly placed on the stretch out. There's some turf in the pedigree there, too. Two sprints to a route for her. Lots of things to like. Wouldn't I wasn't as high on the number five or on the number six, excuse me, Ashley's ring. In the same race with Frowlin Victoria, I thought Ashley's ring was just late on the scene, and that Frowlin Victoria has more room for upside there. And then on the outside, leading force would be the other one. who Wouldn't shock. It was down inside, was in some traffic, got pushed back. Waited to move through the inside, and was all the way up to third before flattening out a little bit late. 5-2-1, my top tier. Others in here, 3-6-8. and eight. If you want to go deeper, use unders. But for me, those top Three will be in the mix all over As we move to race number Four, middle part of the pick Five sequence And in this race, the number one Gizmo's BFF comes off of a win In a similar spot against The 25 Or so claiming level So right back in this spot He fits, but Or she fits, but the the two horses I like the most in here are the four and the six The four is Dakota who had a good start down on the inside last time out, was able to move up the rail, up the challenge. She's a five-time winner here at Woodbine, really likes this trip. And what's nice is that she is speedy, but she can also sit off a little bit. You want that versatility, I think, at a sprint distance like this. So I think she ends up being in a really nice spot here. Also, the number six was the other one for me. Ishiya, uh, if she wants to go, she might be the quickest. Her and and probably loaded Vixen. If they both really were intent on going, I think it would be between one of those two. So I'm I'm thinking she's going to get a different trip than she got last time out. She was four deep. She was in between horses. She was about two or three lengths off. She waited, and then she was three wide in the cl- uh, three wide. But she was behind a, a wall of four horses. She moved in between. Then she was out in the five path closing. It really wasn't bad. And she's faster than that, too. If they want to use some of that early speed, they may be able to in this spot. We've got the four and the six all over the place here. Others, to include the one, as I mentioned, and the seven, Verdejo, who's getting major class relief. I mean, of course, she wouldn't shock, but I'm okay playing against her. I would go four, six, some one, try to take a swing against the heavy favorite of the seven there. As we move to race number five, going a mile and a 16th on the synthetic. We uh, will look to the inside here for me. I thought about the one and the two were horses to use in your pick fives. The one finalist has inside speed. Third start off the long layoff on the class drop. This horse might be the one to catch. There is not very much other speed in this field. The two bet is not that fast. The three sailors passion is not the four is not the five. Just by process of elimination, I'm actually going to use Lion's golden heart in the pick five. Because now he's going to go third, start off the layoff, and he could end up in a really nice spot. He's naturally quicker than most of these in here. He might be sitting second or third. If one or two things went went different, he could be right on the lead. And then you look to the outside, flat out Vixen. Can show a little bit of speed, but we're not talking speed. I mean, his most recent win, when he was on the lead, he went f- almost 51 to the half. I'm a little cold on this this mare, flat-out Vixen, the seven-year-old mare, against the boys. She's just like on numbers and figures. I think she's a tad below recently, like some of her better races. And um, and then Coyleville. I think Coleyville is probably the horse to beat. Tossed the turf race last time out. He's not fast, though. 1, 2, and 7 all over the place. Thinking that the 1 could just get a really nice trip from the inside. I hope they're aggressively handled. The 2 bet shouldn't be too far out of it. Can sit a very nice trip. You key off his races going long on the synthetic. The runner-up from the 2 starts back race, CC's Kingdom, one next out against optional 15. We saw CC's Kingdom in the running lines for some of the other horses in this race. One, two, five in the mix for me. I thought the three, Sailor's Passion, we could make a case for this one, getting back to the synthetic races. Two and three starts back. Those fit really well with this group. And the outside runner is the other. I just didn't love the six as much, flat out Vixen. So let's go one, two, seven, five, and three would be others that I'm using uh, as well. Let's close this thing out in race number six. It's the $15,000 non-winners of three lifetime claimer going five furlongs. The Number six horse, Olympic Fencer, is a big price in here. But this filly tried the turf last time out. We can just put a line right through it. On the synthetic, was very good in May and in June, was sharp. She has a little bit of tactical speed, but mainly she can pass horses. And I always like using one of these type of horses in a five furlong race because generally you're going to get a lot of early speed. And look at the way this race shapes up down inside. The one, Green Gables, is fast. The two, Jill, is really fast. This five-year-old mare, let's watch her race last time out. I know it was the first start in like six months, but it's a field of four, a similar type field. Jill was the number four there. Hey, Robert Geller, the voice of track announcer Robert Geller. So Jill is the four, right? Look, she gets the lead, clears in a small field, the exact type of trip she wants and like right here turning for home top of the stretch she's still clear a couple lengths you really can't ask for a better type trip and she just stops late I have a tough time kind of trusting her because she has not been a wind machine as of late I and seeing that that happened in a race when she cleared the field now She's going to have to deal with right outside of her, the three quiet Madalena to the inside of her, Green Gables, who was in that race with her, but or who was, yeah, who's in that race with her and finished third. And Green Gables wasn't as fast, but now again, Green Gables draws the rail. I think they're going to try to be more aggressive with her. So I don't love the inside horses as much. They could all push each other the one, two, three, even the four is the real wild card in the race, but I'm going to use her because she should offer you some really nice value. Total wild card, a barn who has not won a race yet this year. They've had a bunch of minor awards, but let's look back at two and three starts back. These races at Gulfstream aren't bad. She wins in January against 12, five non-winners of two. She's proven on the synthetic. Actually, she's run on the synthetic out at Presque Isle and at Gulfstream Park. And now she got the race over the track here at Woodbine last time. She tried a lot tougher. They were just looking to see where she fit. She flashed some early speed before packing it in. She cuts back now from six and a half all the way to five fitter. She might be sitting in a perfect spot where she's able to just fall into a nice trip. I'm using the six and the four everywhere in this race. I think the five has got a little bit of a shot. She hasn't won in a couple years, and that's because of her running style. But if she's ever going to be in a spot where they could be going really fast early, it's here. And look, it's not as if the class is an issue for her because she's competitive against better. For her, it just comes down to running style. She's just a deep closer who needs the right type of trip. She may get it in here. She's actually shown that she can get up and win going shorter distances. I'm going to use her in a pick five or two, the number five old secrets. I like the six, four, five then I would go down to the inside for the two speed horses with the one and the two. But I thought it was a fun pick five because to me, it felt like there were some vulnerable favorites in here, which means that it will chalk out all the way through. Let's hope that's not the case. And I'm going to be looking forward to talking woodbine with you each and every day. They are racing. We'll either have a few best bets. We'll either have a a look at the pick five, just like this. Maybe some days we'll go through stakes races, or we'll take a look at, um, you know, the full card on big days, this week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday racing at Woodbine. Thursday first post 4:50 Eastern Time. Friday, Saturday, Sunday first post 1:10 p.m. Eastern Time. We have the fifty thousand dollars guaranteed pick five Thursday and Friday, Saturday and Sunday. That bumps up to hundred thousand dollars this weekend. The stakes schedule Saturday, July the fifteenth. The My Dear Stakes, two-year-old Phillies going five and a half on the synthetic for one hundred twenty-five grand. And on Sunday, July the 16th, it's the Victoria Stakes for two-year-olds going five and a half, 125,000 up for grabs there. That's a look at Woodbine for Thursday and the schedule coming up this week. Make sure to subscribe to That's What G Said Podcast. Come give me a follow on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. We are going to have so much content, free content just like this all through the summer. Woodbine, Saratoga, Del Mar, Louisiana Downs. We're going to be pumping through all those tracks All summer long, as well as getting you set up for the NFL season with previews, team-by-team previews. If you're a fan of Marvel, the MCU, and Star Wars, we're doing recaps right now of Secret Invasion. And anything going on in the world of Star Wars or in Marvel, we'll have deep dives, recaps for TV shows, for movies, for all of that. Every week, Chad Cooper joins me to talk about everything going on in the world of wrestling for This Week in Wrestling WWE, Raw, SmackDown, all the pay per views, NXT, AEW, Dynamite, Collision, everything going on in the world of wrestling. Yeah, we talk about all of that stuff every single week. Eric from ETOF21 Sports joins me to talk football. If you like sports, if you like pop culture, and if you like horse racing, come and give us a follow. And once you make a bunch of money over at Woodbine and you have tons and tons of money you're going to head over to SarahCandles.com C-E-R-A Candles.com You're going to buy a bunch of candles for all of your friends, all of your family members different scents, different sizes, different moods, different seasons of the year and what's great about these candles They are unique, they are better for you, they are non-toxic, no carcinogens, no pollutants They will burn longer and give you a better bang for your buck You'll also get a discount with the promo code GINO That'll get you 10% off your purchase. Let's finish up Secret Invasion. The newest Marvel MCU show on Disney Plus has released episodes 1, 2, and 3. Tim Kelly joins me to deep dive all three of them. Following this, each week we'll be caught up and we'll go one at a time. So next week we'll have the recap of episode 4 and so on. Tim Kelly joins me. Here's the spoiler alert. We get into everything. In Secret Invasion, in the world of the Marvel universe, the MCU, how it all has related everything through the years. So, spoiler alert, we dive in to everything happening in the MCU. It's Secret Invasion. It's time to head back into the world of the MCU, head back into the world of Marvel Studios. Are you a scroll? Is he a scroll? Is Tim K? <laughs> Scroll I might be a scroll we don't Know they all could be scrolls We're gonna be talking about secret invasion (laughs) And the first three episodes Of this six episode installment Tim following this one We'll do week to week recaps but I'm glad I think in a couple of these Shows that we've done recently we've been Able to talk Mm -hmm. about two or three of Them to start just gives you a better Feel for what they might be going for Maybe overall a tone because sometimes Episodes could be uneven I Think that they've Improved through the Mm -hmm. three I feel like I like the show a little bit better In re-watching it But this is one of those shows that I think It's not a bad show It's fine It feels Mm -hmm. like the timing of the show Might be a little bit off It feels like some of the things They're trying to do with the show overall Might be a little bit off Now let me explain that a little further Mm -hmm. In this show It feels like we're taking characters And we're almost like uh the you remember seen the movie Click, where Adam Sandler can fast forward through things. Mm-hmm. I feel like that with this movie. Like, we're getting Fury yeah. and Tallows in these scenes where they're like best buddies and they've got all this right. history, but we didn't really share that history with them. We mm-hmm. we weren't a for a lot of it. They've given us little flashback scenes, and then all of a sudden we sort of have it. I um there's just a lot of things that are kind of uneven that are off. It's not bad. Like I'm not watching this going like rolling my eyes, thinking, right. oh it it's just a little bit like it's not good enough to love. It's not bad enough to hate. It's just sort of in the yeah. middle. It's just sort of there,
2: yeah. Uh, I heard some people describe it as mid, uh, sure, and that was kind of it was kind it was kind of hitting like that for it me does. too. um. Uh, I, and I'll say this: uh, I, I felt the exact same thing. I know we're almost like parroting what we've said in previous podcasts, but yeah, a few to start, you know, uh, definitely benefits the experience here. You know, looking back on on two or three episodes, uh, I like the show more than I did after the first episode. And this is going for a prestige Marvel. You know, uh, this is trying to be their Andor, uh,
0: and I and, they, feel and like- they like said that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. said it publicly. Yeah. Like, anyone that's doing that publicly, like, just don't tell us you want to be, or like, right. hey, we're going to be like it. That was a fantastic show. Like, that show was so, so good. Um, yeah. It just isn't hitting on that level, I feel. And, like and you pacing, kind of spoke to it.
2: Stuff right? feels unearned a little bit. Big mm-hmm. things happen. Like, plot stuff happens. We've complained that, you know, people don't die, and, you know, there's no stakes. Well, they've established some stakes here. Absolutely. But I didn't really feel it. No. You know, I'm, I'm Maria three episodes Hill died. in, and I'm... That's not what, hit, that's what it I didn't
0: mean. Hit, it didn't hit the way it should it be. It didn't, didn't hit
2: like it should have, no. And and now after three episodes, I, I, I feel like, you know what? I'm looking forward to episode four. I'm caught up in this story. I'm into the characters now. But it took me that long.
0: I completely agree. And there, it, it's fun now looking around and wondering, like I said, okay – Fury, like there are reasons to believe there might be multiple Fury characters. Now we mm-hmm. think Rhodey is a scroll. We don't know what's yeah. up with with Fury's wife and what her motivations are. She is a scroll, right. but we don't really know. Positive Gaia, played by Amelia Clark, Khaleesi was brought into this show. She's in three yeah. episodes. She's barely in it. She doesn't really yeah. have any big scenes or moments. And now she's dead. I don't know. Like that doesn't seem like yeah. she could be could she be a scroll like. So it's a cool, super scroll. Right? Could it's she cool be a super scroll? In yeah. that, like, we we don't know with all these things and we're asking these questions, but I think at the same time, it also hurts the show because mm-hmm. there are too many times where it's like Fury said something weird right there. I think they put that in the show to make us think he could be a scroll. I think there's a lot of that going on where you have these interactions yeah. where it's like that character didn't say the same thing or act the same way yesterday. You know, um, yeah, and it, it's like, yeah, are they trying to do the red herring thing, right? Are they like <laughs> putting too much into to places to try to tease us and throw us off, and is that making things even more uneven?
2: Maybe. I, I wonder, uh, you know, maybe they're investing a little bit too much and just throwing clues and Easter mm-hmm. eggs out there. Yep. And what if what if it you know we're flipped a little bit and we knew something that some of the characters didn't know? Yes. Uh, right now I'm feeling like we're just totally in the, in dark, the dark and it almost oh, leaves yeah. us it just leaves us, us kind of like, Yeah, okay, so so what's gonna happen next? I don't know. Like uh we're not super invested because of that. I, I don't right know, point. it's just a thought that came to me the right
0: perspective now. Perspective is different, right? Like mm-hmm. there's Um, There's not enough of a perspective Because we do flash around a lot There isn't like that strong Like first person Perspective even from Fury we're watching Fury Um, Example like You and I talk about new rock stars a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. I'm not like I think a lot of people that are listening to this show probably do. You guys out there that are listening to this, you probably watch New Rock Stars or um, you know, Screen Crush or The Ringer and other other places who do really good stuff talking about these kinds of things. And what what I was sort of having a hard time with in in spots too is it. Like, the timing of this show felt like they needed to reintroduce things a lot of times too, right? It's mm-hmm. It almost felt like this show would have been better three or four years ago. Like, a little yeah, closer, that... <laughs> you know, like, just like mm-hmm. a little closer to right around after Endgame, after the mm-hmm. – bl- like, after the those things were happening. I don't know if after She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, all these other new shows that came in, you almost feel, like, distanced from – this part of the MCU, right? That that phase, like the Avengers, that they bring up. I, right. Um. I don't know. I just overall, it's not bad, and I think from every episode there are really important things I pull out. You hit that too. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that was a really important conversation, or I like mm-hmm. this scene on the train with, you know, Fury and Talos, or the mm-hmm. uh, Sonya, who's incredible. She's just like yeah. creepy. Yeah. <laughs> British woman who's like tortures people and she's fantastic. <laughs> There's some good stuff here. I, I've had a hard time overall just getting the feel for like the pacing, what they want. Like you said, they're trying things that mm-hmm. are fine, but like I've just given it like a B minus C, you know, overall. Yeah.
2: I'd be right there with you. And it that's just not cutting it when they're clearly going for. That prestige, you know, Marvel prestige television They want A plus, yeah, Yeah. absolutely
0: This isn't like them giving us She-Hulk Which was fun and goofy And we knew it was going to be that Right, we knew that was going to be like Lower level, lower stakes We have some fun, the walk of shame with Daredevil You know, we got some (laughs) stuff there But this was supposed to be that like You're on the seat of your chair every minute Looking around Mm -hmm. Like you feel anxious when you're watching Mm -hmm. it I don't get that enough when I'm watching this this show that feeling of angst where it's like, Oh, what's going to happen here. And look, look at the cast, look at the cast.
2: I know, you know, like they they have such an A-list cast for this. It's the best actors in any series so far. And it's just, they're they're not really living up to that. They're doing a lot of the heavy lifting actually that I think uh, not enough has been done on the writer's side. I think you spoke to it earlier by saying there there seems to be like a gap between you know all the major things that happened in around Endgame, you know, even the Captain Marvel backstory stuff. And they're trying to connect this stuff to that, but there's all this gap. And I feel like they're retroactively trying to write in kind of excuses. They're blaming things on on Fury that just kind of yep. don't make sense and it, They're filling in holes that they just didn't Write before the, you know the, the previous movies Didn't cover and then you start doing these fit. Mental
0: gymnastics right in your head yes. you're like Wait this person was in the blip then they left They came back wait but they're a scroll how Could that have worked if they blipped? they could you know you're Starting to do these things in your head that's like Does it yeah. work does it fit And we, we shouldn't Be doing that when we're watching these shows No, nah. like you it, should It just be, doesn't flow enough you should, when you're when you're doing that, that's a little bit of a problem because when the shows are really good, you don't even think about that stuff. You're just in, you're just in it. You're just in that world.
2: Yeah. It Uh, just connects together seamlessly and you you don't really think about it. It's just every layer that is added when it's working, right. Just reinforces the rest of it. Whereas this almost acts opposite to that. Like they'll add another layer of the onion that makes you go, wait a minute. Does, does that kind of work that that kind of undermines this other thing? Uh, And the whole thing kind
0: of becomes weaker because of that. Okay, so we're going to go through, since we have three episodes to discuss, we're going to go through Episode 1, important parts from Episode 1, things that we remember that stood out. Same thing from Episode 2. We'll spend a few extra minutes on Episode 3 since that's the most recent one to get you set up for Episode 4, 5, and 6, the final half of Season 1 of Secret Invasion. So we open up in Moscow, present day. If we're on the timeline where after She-Hulk took place in the MCU. And we open up with Agent Everett Ross. But he's getting prepped by a man named Prescott. Pres- mm-hmm. When you th- when Prescott, think Charlie Day, the conspiracy theory board. Yeah. That's basically <laughs> Prescott. He's like, what's going on yeah. over here? And we got all this stuff on here. And society starts to fray. You know, the people we care about. He's going through Argentina attacks. Colombia attacks the Philippines. A violent chain reaction. Just total conspiracy theorist. Yeah. But But the guy is right. Like. Mm -hmm. There have been all these crazy attacks He knows something is happening and So he mentions Skrulls And he tells Ross everything that happened Skrulls found the earth, Carol Danners Nick Fury promised to find them a planet But now they don't want any planet They want ours Ross is sort of laughing, kind of scoffing at this And They continue to go back and forth Prescott hands something over to Ross And He gets a feel Not long after that That this may not be the actual Ross So right away They set it up Mm -hmm. that Ross gets killed Ross shoots Prescott And as he radios to Maria Hill He's running through the streets He's getting chased He, you know, on a building He leaps off Maria Hill shows up And we actually see this isn't Ross It was a scroll, not a good scroll Talos reveals himself So we did get sort of a quick-paced Opening scene that they wanted to make it Feel like it was a real thriller Where there was a lot going on I actually thought The the Mm -hmm. opening scene was pretty good and I liked The setup of Prescott kind of Telling us what was happening They Mm -hmm. have to do a lot of that though Throughout this series right there's a lot of uh, Exposition a lot of Conversations a lot of flashbacks Of things that we see that we didn't even See like they show us a flashback Or like Mm -hmm. a previously on it's Like previously on what We never saw that (laughs) Like <laughs> in their life previously on, you know, we we're just supposed to assume that. Um, so that well, I don't know. That,
2: Some of that might have been from Captain Marvel. And we right, just like erased saw. it from our that brains. People, I was going to say that <laughs> yeah. people were like, oh, yeah, that,
0: that did might have that might have happened. Um, yeah. So they give you the gritty feel right away, TK. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see Ross die and he sort of sets us up for that. Who do you trust conversation that we're going to continue to have through the first three episodes.
2: Yeah, yeah, and uh, I thought this was a strong, strong, uh, you know, opening scene that it, it set the tone and it established the stakes, it established the world. Like you mentioned, though, a little exposition heavy. I actually read a tweet from somebody who had read the script early on uh, and then watched, you know, a screener early on and was like, oh no, I just saw this scene and it seems to be like a, an incredibly like condensed exposition heavy rewrite of this awesome opening sequence that I read. That it, you know established all the same facts. Now I don't know any more details beyond that, but I'm like, dang, what what did we miss out on there? Um, because right, I did yeah. feel like that scene was a little too exposition heavy. And also this the the twist that it, you know, Ross was a scroll. Somehow, I I, I don't know. I I heard other people say it was kind of obvious, but I felt like from the jump, uh, he's a scroll. And it yeah. was just it was just from the context of the casting, like, you know. Uh, are they going to bring him on and he's going to be on a bunch? Uh, no, they're pro- he's probably going to be a scroll, and that's how they're going to reveal, you know, the the premise. And he's going to die right away. Like, that exactly. was like it, it seemed kind of obvious. The sacrificial from, you know, lamb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like well, we're going to pay Martin Freeman to be on, you know, you know, all six episodes? Nah, nah, no. Nah, we going to. This is just kind of a stunt cast. Um, but. It worked well enough, you know, but I've just seen enough of these, though, where it didn't surprise me. And, you know, Mm. I really want to be taken on a journey with this. So immediately I felt a little underwhelmed by that opening scene, even though, you know, we're seeing a major character that we care for. Great actors. Uh, I believe uh, Richard Dormer from, uh, I think, Game of Thrones played Prescott, too. So this is these are, again, really good actors on screen that can
0: you know carry the material. But it just didn't hit for me for whatever reason got that secret invasion intro lots of greens with the scrolls right that's one of the things yeah. too a lot of the scrolls will wear some sort of green um in their uh clothing and sort of a hat uh um, mm-hmm. some sort of earrings or jewelry we then
2: it's fe- featured heavily in the production design too um whenever there's going to be a you know a potential scroll on screen or a scroll that we know or a secret scroll they're generally they have some kind of like green uh flourishes on their on their um, clothing um also we shouldn't um uh, we shouldn't neglect to mention that uh the opening sequence was very controversial yeah because of AI, the use right? of ai mm-hmm. yeah i so, i personally i get the, the the concern there but i did enjoy i do like it i i, I like whatever the, the cool. eeriness yeah the eeriness that the ai gives to it uh that uncanny valley, you know, quality, mm-hmm. I, I think it is good. It reminds me of, not- like,
0: Goosebumps yeah. from when you were a kid. Yeah. There's something weird to it, right? Like, about it that is, uh, I, I don't, yeah, I I don't like the, what this could do separate things, right? I don't like what this right. could mean for the industry and, like, taking jobs and stuff away from people. As far as how was the quality of it, I thought it was yeah. good, right? Yeah. Like, I thought the quality was, was solid. Um, Fury exits a spaceship. And so we're going to get for him for a lot of this too. This is his uh, lethal weapon for I'm too old for this shit, right? Like this is him starting to like, this Fury still have it? That's what everyone asks mm-hmm. when they, he, he doesn't have it anymore. He's not sharp. He's been away from this. He's been up on Saber in the space station for the last five years or so. He doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't have the same connections to the same people. He doesn't have the Avengers backing him like he used to. And we uh, have a car pull up. It's Maria Hill, Fury, mm-hmm. Hill, Talos. All speak together. They inform him about Gravik, and we start to to hear of this promise that the Skrulls have had. T.K. with Fury, Fury, when he met the Skrulls and he met Talos, he made a deal with them. You help me. You help me use your powers to gain information to protect Earth, and I will help you keep you safe, and then find you a home. So they had a deal, and they trusted each other. And we see a lot of flashbacks of Fury talking to the Scrolls early on, um, right when they come in, younger Fury talking to Talos, and Talos telling the rest of the the Skrulls to trust Fury. So we, we see that relationship a little bit, and Talos has been the head of the Skrull Council. He's been the leader of the Skrulls, so they've all taken... His word They've done what Talos asked Which was what Fury asked But now with Fury gone For a few years The, the group of the Skrulls have They've started to get frustrated They don't have a home They're being hunted And they just don't want to listen to Talos Their same leader who's telling them the same things And Nick Fury's not there The guy who made the yeah. promise for them is not there And has not fulfilled or followed through On his promise Some people are pissed off and this happens in every society, in every culture. We're gonna get a split, mm-hmm. like a revolutionary war here. You have the the group in the inside that wants to be more anarchist, more extreme, and that group mm-hmm. is now led by a young man named Gravik, who is powerful. He's smart. They sort of set it up um, when we were introduced to him as a child. Uh, I, I think it was on New Rock Stars or one of them. They said. Very mm-hmm. much like Star Wars, the way he was introduced—like mm-hmm. he's this kid with powers that could be good or could be bad. We need to <laughs> steer him <laughs> to the good, to the good side, and you know, um, a very Anakin yeah. Skywalker sort of yeah. feel there. So, what do you think of this whole idea of the Scrolls? They're splintering mm-hmm. now, and we've got Grevik, yeah. the young man who's taken over, and he—he he seems like he has a really good following. These people they mm-hmm. believe in him that he's going to going to have action not like what talos has been doing recently
2: yeah i mean it, it makes sense when you think about it um the, the span of time that the scrolls have been there and dealing with nick fury now it's like 40 years i was thinking about that so like to for them to have not made any progress i yeah. could see them getting pretty restless and then you know obviously earth's gone through all these major kind of cataclysms uh, so that that those those things would would spur uh, greater unrest, um, and the, you know if you, if you as a society just aren't moving, in that that span of time, and you and you're you know staying you know held down in whatever ways, and I imagine the blip hurt them a lot as well. There are a lot of new refugees that came in that we learned in you know episode two. There's a million uh, of these scrolls. So yeah, I like the, the the general conflict, and I think that the motivation for it. Um, is sound enough. Uh, it, it makes sense to me. Um, they didn't need much more than that. I, I think they did just enough to to justify it. I also like Gravick. um, the actor who plays him, uh, really sells the the uh, the zealous aspect of his character. He's fantastic. And he also gonna play Bob Marley. I don't know if you've you've heard oh, that casting. My There's a Bob Marley movie that they already shot. The trailer I think just dropped. So he's playing Bob Marley. I, I just Dude, found that great. out today doing a little bit of uh, uh, in research.
0: He has such a presence every scene that he's in. Every yeah. time he comes on the screen, you feel him as this cult leader who's charismatic and not afraid, but also mm-hmm. willing to just do whatever it takes at, the, like, the snap of the fingers for his cause. Like, yeah. you could be his best friend in the world, and he would sell you out and shoot you at one second if it meant, like, better for the cause. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's... He's like a fascinating character. He's one of my favorite parts of the show because I, he just yeah. is so good. When whenever we see him, Talos just got cook, uh, pushed off the council into exile. Gravik was the kid that got along well with Fury, and like you said, he was a child. He remembered that promise <laughs> probably more than anyone because he was a kid. Fury <laughs> came in, sort of took him under his wing, and Fury has let them down repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. So now what Gravik wants to do, this is basically like, they're the Joker, right? Mm-hmm. The Scrolls, Like, they just want chaos. They just want to create chaos yeah. everywhere they can and make other people and, and spin the blame everywhere else. No one's going to say, oh, it was yeah. the Scrolls that did that. People don't know they exist. They don't know there's right, a group right. of people there. They, they perform terrorist attacks on Russia, and then they spin it on the U.S., they do it all yeah. over the place. They pretend to be an enemy of a nation, have a strike, have some sort of a um, an attack, and then they get everybody buzzing to the point where what they're trying to do here, TK, is get a world war three going.
2: Yeah, they're accelerationists essentially. There, there are people, you know, today you know, who politically they they feel like it would be better if everything just collapsed yep. uh, so that the new thing that could, would replace it could come here faster Then the, the new, better society new society could replace. Yeah.
0: start over and, from the, the ground up. Right. Exactly. Yep. And that's, and
2: that's what they're doing here, except that they want it, you know, exclusively for the scroll people uh, and they want to just completely supplant the human race and take over uh, this, this world. Um, that part is a little bit, you know, that part's a little fishy for me. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's a stretch. To say that we couldn't share, you know, that they don't even like consider that trying. There's this. There's a moment in episode two where Fury says, "There's not enough room for you know another species on this." I don't know if that's true. I, yeah. I think that we can figure it out, especially with technology and you know sharing the technology. I'm, and Gravik has been... that
0: moment right when he's on the Scroll Council mm-hmm. where he does a he does a lazy like like Rick re- recount of what human nature is. Right. Right. Like we're not the when we heard that before. World, but you know. But he's like, mm-hmm. we just kill each other and put each other in cages, you know. Like that's basically yeah. what he says. And it it is interesting when Talos, I think it's in episode three, he says, "Mate, you don't know human nature." Because <laughs> while while some of what you're saying is true, when they're backed into a corner, that's when right. you get the best out of them. Um, that's when they really fight back, and they can have a common. They can come together with a common opponent and a common enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, that, I agree with you there. Like, I don't, I give us a little more credit than that. Hopefully. Yeah. Right. Fing, fingers it's, crossed. A, it's a little
2: thin and yeah. I would even, I would give the aliens, the scroll people, you know, more credit than that. that. They would be able to, you know, have some, some faith, you know, yes. some, you know, given the benefit of the doubt and be able yes. to see, you know, uh, the ability to collaborate, but you know, whatever we need, we need a conflict in the show. It's a little thin, but we're going with it.
0: Now uh, we check in on Roadie. He's working for the president um, now, so he's a super paper pusher following the president around uh, all the time (laughs) as like a right-hand man for Ritson. We also see Fury walking the streets of Moscow, and he's noticing just people around, right? Like you walk down the street, you bump (laughs) into a guy, you see someone with crazy hair across the street, you notice it. Then a good-looking girl walks by or guy walks by, smiles, nods at you. You notice them, right? Just You notice different things around the street. Somebody drops something out Mm -hmm. of their pocket. Those are things he's noticing. People watching. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, And what's cool is that later in the scene, we see those same people show up again in different Mm -hmm. areas. And then they Mm -hmm. shapeshift, which is kind of cool when he's following them around. That is the thing about all of these scrolls. They can shapeshift instantly, quickly. In the other identities, yeah. and you can so have quickly, an... so quickly. Sorry to interrupt, but he, uh, the, no
2: one seems to notice when people shapeshift in in, in, the public. in you know, public areas. Like nobody turns is right their head. There. I know. Nobody turns their head. Like a little girl changes into like a full grown man, man, or what, I forget what exactly the transition. Like a, an old but, man. Yeah. Yeah, and no, not one person in in you know in eyesight it, like turns their head. You know, like it, it that part. I, I'm a little confused. Maybe. Maybe the the changes happen. I, I don't know the actual physiology of how it changes, but do they does do they project the image to like? Is it almost like a psychic change the way they change their appearance, or is it weird this stuff physical? With the clothes too, I don't know.
0: Right, uh, new new rock mm-hmm. stars. You M- 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 You're this. right, like the clothes will change sometimes, but if they have like a hat or a jacket or something that's not on them, like if it's sitting right. next to them, that doesn't change. Um so <laughs> I'd love it, to know the mechanics of, me too. of how I want to know the, <laughs> the in-depth of the uh, of of scrolls and and them changing as uh, Fury gets kidnapped, gets taken to a very nice looking study room, and we meet Sonia. Sonia is one of Fury's connections, he's got them all over the place. And Sonya is someone who has told Fury now, look, we just found you and we just kidnapped you. You you're losing it man like you You definitely don't have the same Sense that you used to people are Watching you people are around you and Fury actually set this whole thing up He wanted to get eyes on her so he play, he's able to plant a, I believe a, a tracking Device inside of her home so he can hear What she's saying he's trying to get Some feels all over the place for what Exactly is going on he's just trying to Get as much information he's he's Calling his peeps right he's checking In with people that he has with probably yes. for years because he's been gone On Saber I- at the space Station and This woman Sonia She is fantastic Too she is yeah. Awesome there's a scene that She has coming up where she tortures I think in episode <laughs> two that is Just yeah. a- amazing and She plays like she <laughs> it, She reminds me of Mary Poppins right, like the, right. the way she's Acting you know because she's just Like yeah. Oh, how how everything's so lovely, so <laughs> beautiful, so marvelous, but she's saying it in a tone while she's talking, like, about brutally murdering you.
2: Yeah. It's Sadistic great. Mary Poppins. That's, that's a perfect description.
0: Like, Stephanie, like, my girlfriend will say this to me sometimes, and she'll tell me, like, when we will get into a fight, it's about – it's not about what I say, you know, it's like how I say it, if I'm saying it mean yeah. or if I'm saying it in right. a way, you know what I mean? So then I'll flip it on her and I'll say, so if I say really mean things in a nice way, <laughs> then, will that be better? You know what I mean? Like, I want to kill you, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, what it's you say It's like 10 that? times worse somehow. You know like, is, that, is that better? You, you prefer uh, yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. You know? so uh, I don't think so. That's way creepier. Like, just, <laughs> so that's that's how she's going right now and mm-hmm. she's um, she's great. So the Again like mm-hmm. a, a little after that opening Scene now it's a little Slow because we're just sort of catching up Fury's got to catch up with yeah. He's got to catch up with Talos he catches up With her they let us know a little Bit about uh, Grevik We get introduced to Gaia Who is actually mm-hmm. Talos's Daughter she's played by Amelia Clark And she is Now part of the The anarchy Rebel scroll group so the daughter has split from the father Who used to be the leader of the scrolls. This is the type of thing we see a lot, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The families pitted against each other In particular, sometimes the leader of the group Their kids want to be rebellious And go the other mm-hmm. way And she seems like she's a part of the cause Now, she's conflicted Because she's mm-hmm. a young woman She seems like she She's sort of Wants to do what's, what she thinks is right, what she thinks is good, what she thinks is best for her and for her people. But she is still young. She is still torn. You could tell that she's sort of – her mind has been clouded a little bit by Gravik. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know what to yeah. do with her dad, right? She's completely torn here. And we don't know what her motivations are for a lot of these first couple episodes. It, in episode one, she sets her dad up. I think, mm-hmm. right? She she acts like she's going to give him this great information, and then when, when she gives it to him, it's a setup. Then in episode two, she kind of turns the other way. She seems like she's doing more good and actually getting mm-hmm. information from Grevik and giving it to others. And then it, it's so much so that in episode three, when she's actually seems like she's doing what's right, she gets yeah. killed. Um, yeah. Her character through three episodes, though, like I don't even feel like we spend any real time with her. I I completely agree.
2: I kept having to like check in. Like I'm, I was watching with my wife, and I, I kept having to like go wait. So she's a she's a double agent. I, I felt stupid kind of watching the show, and I don't know if it was be- if it was because it wasn't keeping my attention enough, where I would kind of tune stuff out and no, then you're I right. missed important details. You missed
0: for like um, I, I, which, stop, I, I'm. not trying to interrupt you. No, no. When I I did that. I think in the first episode, and then again, like the other night in the third episode, yeah. five times. Where like yeah. I would sit, start, I have my notes, and then like <laughs> just one other thing would pop up, and I'd get a little distracted, and I'd look back two minutes, and and it'd be two minutes farther, and I would for have forgotten what happened. Yeah, and I I went back and would watch it again, and I keep feeling like were there scenes that they just cut <laughs> out completely of her because. Like, why do you even get this actress to play this character and this role yeah. when it's been nothing through three? Like, almost. Mm-hmm. It, these aren't short episodes either.
2: We're no. talking like
0: two and a half <laughs> full hours of,
2: yeah. of content yeah.
0: that we've watched so far.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I, speaking to your point about getting you know Amelia Clark for it, uh, I think there's no way they're done. I think they've even shown in in. Um, promotional materials, a lot of other footage of her. Yeah. You know, she, she's going to go on and do more, more things now, whether that's, you know, actually Gaia, you know, Talos's daughter, uh, or if it's the human counterpart that, you know, Gaia was impersonating that she's going to continue on that. That's remains to be seen. I put my money on that. um, It was shown. It wasn't shown on camera, but off camera, you know, after, you know, finding out about the super scroll stuff, she went and actually, you know, did that process to herself. And she's a super scroll, So she's going to come back from that, that, you know, shooting that happens at the end of uh, episode three and, you know, surprise, surprise, she's okay, but she has powers and there's going to be a whole lot more going on down the line um, with her character.
0: Some of the others that are part of the, the rebel scroll commune, they're <laughs> led by Gravik. We've got Gaia there. We've got Brogan. We've got Uh, Pagan and we also meet Beto a young kid who we see Come to the commune And they let him in we sort of see the process It's a very like Mm -hmm. the walking dead setup, where they walk to this Like big fence that he has to Say a password and they Go look and then he has to reveal himself as a scroll And they let him in but it's not as If their setup is luxurious right they're Living in like an abandoned warehouse Commune area with a Bunch of the scrolls what's Fascinating Mm -hmm. to me about This part is we see the fracking pods. We Mm -hmm. see uh, Gaia enter a room with Gravik and a couple of others. And we see uh, the bodies of the humans that have been captured. The identities that they've stolen. Where Mm -hmm. that's another thing that is kind of um, crazy. Yeah. The scrolls are stealing people's identities. And in some places just killing them. Like you're just taking a person. Stealing their entire life All of their memories Downloading that person like a computer And like in episode 3 Fury is, 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 it doesn't bother him at all You know he knows it's mm-hmm. just like you know, It's what needs to be done But it's so funny mm-hmm. having this Like his moral compass Like that, that doesn't even register to him as a thing Like it doesn't even There's no wrong that. to that at all Which is so fascinating yeah. to me Like this isn't like I'm borrowing a person Like the, some of these people are dead you see them in there, yeah. like their memories are gone, their lives are gone. You've taken them from your family. You've assumed the mantle there, and yeah. we, we're led to find out that scrolls now have infiltrated the ranks of the ranks of major world powers, yeah. and Grevik is planning something. Five specialists in Moscow are building a big explosive. You've got a, a former rebel, a former Chechnyan rebel, who. Mm-hmm. It puts together radioactive bombs. And we are introduced to all these different scrolls in high places of power. It's it's a yeah. really good it's a good job of what they've done by infiltrating mm-hmm. all these different places because it gives them a seat at the table. They've got like a prime minister. Oh, yeah. They've got a leader from like Great Britain, a leader from different countries here. They basically got mm-hmm. their own little like United Nations group on the scroll council of five people um, or so. One of them is Shooter McGavin. Yes, sir. I was waiting for you to mention that. <laughs> just incredible. Yeah. Just yeah. amazing. Basically a
2: Fox News pundit, too. He's, he's like a Bill O'Reilly like guy. Yeah, just like yeah, Tucker
0: Carlson sort of guy yeah. that's just like. So he can push out any agenda that you want. I love this after having just watched Succession also where they had that big, uh-huh. like, Fox News, obvious Fox News, you know, channel was a, a huge part of it. And, and you're getting this, mm. but um, seeing the Scroll Council is something that's intriguing. But a lot of that first episode is setting it up with Fury. Just a couple little little looks at Gaia. Um mm-hmm you know Fury Hill Talos working together we see you know Fury again infiltrate uh so basically Fury and Talos are following Gaia and and they, they you know they're following the plan of the of the scrolls and and Gravik. they're trying to stop it they're trying to find out what they're doing and they're like a step or two behind uh, all the way around um again it's it's fine it's not mm-hmm. bad it just it's kind of a little slower, I think, than they would have wanted uh, mm-hmm. Maria continues to fi- follow Gaia into a dark hallway We have a battle with them And then we get the moment between Talos catching up with his daughter, Gaia And this is where he tells her that his mother, Soren is dead This mm-hmm. is where she kind of gets conflicted, I think Because mm-hmm. now she she doesn't know if her dad's telling her the truth Was her mother killed by the people she's Now working with and working for If that Mm -hmm. is the case She doesn't want to continue to work for Them so this was a moment between the two Of them where we see it but again Like I I don't know if we Needed maybe some flashbacks of them When she's younger as a Family Mm -hmm. more like Because I just I didn't feel what I was supposed to feel here in like a moment Damn. between father and daughter. It just felt like two characters on the screen, not a father and a daughter.
2: Yeah, and it feels like we're just getting to know these characters. I, I realized I think they extend back to Captain Marvel, but I, I'm just still so unfamiliar even, with that Even movie. Maria Hill, um,
0: honestly. Even yeah, Maria Hill. Yeah, Like we like don't they, have We the didn't mo- spend
2: enough time with them. Even yeah.
0: Fury. Like even Fury, yeah. who's always there He's right. there, but like he's there for quick, like funny lines. He's there to interact with the Avengers. We don't know a whole lot about him, any of the way that he came yeah. to life. This, this actually, I think it was the guys on the ringers who on the ringer who had said this mm-hmm. would have been a show that probably would have been better to be more episodes if you were going to mm-hmm. dive more into some of this backstory and give yeah. us more of like fury coming up through the ranks. How the scrolls helped him, so we could mm-hmm. see that relationship. Show us a few times where these guy, the scrolls and Talos, really saved Fury's butt, got him yeah. great information, helped Fury climb the ranks. Then we feel the relationship between the two of them. We, when, I think it's in mm-hmm. episode three, when Talos sort of tells Fury, like the whole reason you even you even got promoted was because of us. We don't even really know if that's true or not. We just have to take Talos' right. word for it. Like Fury doesn't battle, like challenge it at all, but I think we could have seen more of that type of stuff, TK. Yeah. You you just mentioned
2: a great example. It's like all they're doing, like so much of what they're doing, I should say, is just like retroactively filling in the plot, like filling in this backstory that to to make what they're trying to do now make sense. Uh, they're like shoehorning the backstory to fit their the story that they're trying to tell right now. And uh there wasn't enough earned backstory throughout, you know, exactly. keep saying other movies earned, that and that's guys... the perfect word <laughs> yeah. because
0: it is earned. You don't, we don't exactly. feel like we've been through it with with them and mm-hmm. earned is funny because that's a word that get used that gets used in wrestling a lot. Like for mm. characters, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to feel like they've lost and won and they've like gone yeah. through the battle before they with, with the big one, you know. Um, and it's it's the 100%. same thing here to get emotionally invested. Like they're asking us to care about something that they've never really Mm -hmm. told us we should care about before.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it feels like they're just making up stuff to tell us now why we should care instead of actually having shown us that stuff at some point. You know, now the the best we'll get is like they'll they'll shoehorn a flashback in to show us. But even those flashbacks are mostly exposition. (laughs) There'll be people standing in a room telling other people about, you know, what's happening. Uh, And then uh, so there's not a whole lot of like feeling of like we're like over the shoulder in the room experiencing uh, these these important events with our characters so that we become bonded with them. We haven't really gotten that yet. Uh, I feel like, you know, to what our point earlier over the course of these three episodes, we've kind of gotten there now going into episode four. But we kind of had to spend all those three episodes just
0: like churning out a lot of exposition to, to carry that load. We have the first of many different characters tell Fury the same thing. We're worried. We've been doing this without you. Like they all get mad at The same exact thing. We hear Talos. We hear um, Hill. We hear Sonya. We hear Mm -hmm. Rhodes. We hear his wife later. All the same exact thing to him, which is kind of crazy and lazy. Honestly, mm-hmm. like to have like almost the same conversation over and over. First from Hill, uh, why'd mm-hmm. you come back? Um, You're gonna move. What like the Fury I knew was three steps ahead. Uh, you know, and he keeps saying you guys could have gotten a hold of me. You guys could have gotten a hold of me. I don't know. It didn't yeah. seem like that, right? I think they they would have yeah. probably called him on the bat phone a little quicker if they could have. Um, yeah. But the conversation he has with Hill. You were mm-hmm. never the same after the blip, she tells him. You always told me there's no shame in walking away when the steps are uncertain. So check your footing. Otherwise, someone's going to get hurt. Mm. Um, and that's like – I have a like, theory. I have a
2: theory ahead. about this. I feel like maybe, uh, you know, speaking to all – the everyone talking about how Fury's been away, how he's lost a step, and he's not – he's weaker than he used to be. I wonder if he's playing possum, and he disappeared to draw people out, and he's mm-hmm. – you know how, like, if you want to find out information, you don't want to be the person that's like saying too much. You want to let the other person that you're trying mm-hmm. to find out information from talk. So you can kind of like, there's almost a technique where you don't say anything and just let them talk. You will hold or you'll say one
0: little thing and then one, take two yeah. steps back a lot. You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And so maybe he's putting it out there that he's you know far removed. You know, he's off on his space station. You know, just chilling. Uh, or, or you know, recovering, doing you know whatever he needs to get his mind right. But what if he got wind of the scroll stuff way earlier, and put together you know a a plan to make himself look like he was this weak character? But all along, he's just trying to figure out as much information as he as he can, so that the the scrolls who are embedded around him will reveal themselves. That I, I be wonder better. if that's what they're building toward here. And I, I would hope like so that way. more. <laughs>
0: Than just he's old and like face value.
2: Yeah, I feel like Like, no. Because okay, think about this too. To my point here, when he's talking to in episode two, he has this great Samuel L. Jackson line as he's leaving. He says, "Even when I'm out, I'm still in." So good. So (laughs) So I wonder if that speaks to what you know what I'm talking about here.
0: So freaking (laughs) good, and. As we get to the end of episode mm-hmm. one, we see Gaia meet with her father, Talos. She tells him what's going to happen. She gives him information, but that information is wrong. She was setting him up to, mm-hmm. uh, to fail, and that ends up leading to the death of Maria Hill. We see Hill, Talos, Fury, Gaia, everyone out in a courtyard. It is um, Unity Day. In, in <laughs> Moscow So there's crowds all over the place Big parades, all sorts of um, Events, pomp and circumstance So a great A great time to do something Because nobody's really focusing on one thing Everybody's got eyes in different places And the So the plan That, that uh, goes through uh, Ends up having a big explosion And as the explosion happens The the scrolls are saying we're from America. We're from the USA. Mm-hmm. They're trying to pin it on America. Um, Gravik sets off a bomb, three huge explosions, chaos all over, and Hill is dead. Yeah. Now, what we see at the very end of this, Fury comes up to Hill as she's dying, and Hill says, it was you. So there are two furies or there was a scroll fury here who was the one that actually pulled the trigger and shot Maria Hill. And that's how we end this fear. Fu- um this first episode. We know at the very beginning it was a scroll Ross and we now know that at least someone took the shape of fury as part of this plan and if anyone wants to take the shape of fury at any time, they could get a lot of information And they could gain a ton of really valuable things That uh, other people don't have So I I, I thought that the ending is is good in that Okay, good, two furies, like, intriguing One of them's a scroll We can kind of pay attention to things here and there But just Mm -hmm. didn't feel that weight of the Maria Hill death Nearly the way we should have And that'll carry over even into episode two I think one of the most Complained and maligned scenes I've heard about Mm. for the first Three episodes is the one where Like it's sort of like a Funeral for Maria Hill Where where Fury meets with Maria's mom It's just a weird interaction There in London we don't really know why It happens but overall the whole Passing of Maria Hill What do they call this is it fridging When the women Right yeah, yeah, yeah. Die in movies exactly to like help a man have to have like a full circle <laughs> right. story, and right, they're right, trying right. to. Like, I don't think either one of us believe that the Amelia Clark character Gaia is dead in episode three, but no, we, we're supposed to believe that through three episodes, two of the main main female characters are already dead because it tells mm-hmm. the story for Samuel L. Jack. You know, like <laughs> yeah. it tells the story for our male characters better.
2: Yeah, uh, and that's one of those things like the Bechdel test, where it's like it, it's an it's an like a thought experiment, an interesting thing to look at and deconstruct stories. But I don't like to like you know give pass fail grades or anything no. to to art based on that sort of thing, like the fridging stuff. I feel like sometimes too much weight is given towards those I ideas, agree. and then they do that, too much yeah. to try to. To try to, the other yeah, way, yeah, you know, yeah, but but that said, um, I do wonder if there, there's room to. I obviously, the Amelia Clark one, we talked about that. They're they're almost surely bringing her back, like that's like 99.99 percent, you know, repeating. I'm gonna, I'm saying she's coming back. Uh, whereas Kobe Smolder's character, um, I don't know if she's coming back or not. I think they can do it either way, Maria Hill is an important character but she's a side character. we never really got to know much about her. I think that's one of the reasons why it felt kind of weightless when she died was you know she's been around for so long but I don't know anything about her. she's just somebody who's just kind of been there uh, and she's she's obviously we know what side she's been on and we know uh, that she's a you know a badass you know soldier spy for, for shield but that that's all we really know We don't know anything about her personal life. Whatsoever. And so it just didn't feel too weighty when, when she died. I do think there's still room, though, for them to bring her back. Um, if you watched any Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there was this whole Tahiti thing, which I believe used either Cree or Scroll technology to resurrect uh, Agent Colson. That's how Agent Colson continued on in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. beyond um, you know his death in Avengers. Now, whether that's canon or not is debatable because I believe they've kind of walked back the idea that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is canon. It was originally intended to be so, uh, but I think they've walked it back a little bit and kind of implied that it's like an Elseworlds, kind of like a what-if sort of, um, you know, a a branch off the timeline. But it's not too late to kind of fold that in and actually, you know, retcon it to be actually part of the continuity. So who knows? I think Maria Hill could, could be, you know, on the low, being resurrected through Tahiti right now. It's possible that that mom wasn't even her mom. Really, Maria's mom. That could be a scroll designed yeah. to just mess with Fury. Right. That sure. makes a lot more sense because it I think does. you you mentioned that the, the complaint was like that was kind of a dumb scene. Uh, I think the reasoning being like no military mother in real life would do that. Like she would have respect for her daughter and the choices that she made, and the people she worked with, and she would just want to know answers. And she would and she was given those answers by Nick. So the idea that uh, she would be so vitriolic and you know have this you know anger and hatred towards him it seemed just it it didn't make a whole lot of sense
0: but if she's a scroll, it makes a whole lot more yep because what you're she's having a conversation with him too that was like very different from the one her daughter just had with right. Him, right where her right. daughter was like I'm done with you kind of you know like right. I don't really believe in you as much like as I used to and the mom it's like she didn't Get that note, right? She hasn't gotten that note mm-hmm. yet. That Fury isn't really the same Fury. What I like about yeah. this era of the MCU, and I think that they did this in Star Wars really well recently too, with a, with some of their recent shows. Mm-hmm. They do a great job of this of like portraying the scrolls. Are they refugees or conquerors? Mm. Right? Are are right. they good or bad? And do they have? Very good reasons for doing what they're doing. Do you feel bad for them? Can you make them a victim, but also make mm-hmm. them the the villain? And yeah, yeah. I'd like I'd like those shades of gray where mm-hmm. like you hit this a lot when we talk. There are some people that are like this, but very few people are just innately bad and evil and like right. cartoony evil where right. they're just walking by the street and telling everyone to F off and this and that. Like most people. Are good sometimes, bad sometimes, and back and forth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's just not like uh, oh, that's just a bad, that's just a rotten egg, you know, like that's veruca salt or whatever it is. Like they're just not like it isn't yeah. that way. Um, so I I like that even a villain has an origin story. Like everyone mm-hmm. who's gotten to a place where they've crossed the line, they usually have good motivation for doing it and good reasons mm-hmm. why, but The road to hell is paved by good intentions, is one of my favorite quotes. You know, something that you hear like um, a lot Mm -hmm. of people think what they're doing is righteous and then they go too far and then they cross the line. And that's what we're Mm -hmm. seeing here with the scrolls. And that's how we sort of put a bow on episode one as we move Mm -hmm. to episode two. And we actually see some things that happened in 1995, which was Captain Marvel. And then two years after that, 1997, Brixton, London, where there is a large immigrant black population, which is worth Mm -hmm. mentioning, um, especially at the time. And we see Fury talking with a lot of these Skrull refugees. He meets a woman named Vara, who's a Skrull. Seems like she's one of the sort of the the leaders of the group also, kind of below Talos. She's – She's helping get people in and out, and she brings in young Grevik, whose parents were killed in the last stand against the Kree. So she introduces him. He escaped and piloted his own ship, uh, his ship on his own. This is like Anakin Skywalker, Rocket, yeah, right. <laughs> Both like they do this That's to get, true. um, to get saved or to get out of uh, out of peril, and we we see like a group of scrolls together with fury plotting out what what will happen. And this is different than the scrolls we see nowadays in the commune because this is all kind of positive. They want to work together. What are they going to do together? Fury promises them with help that he will then help them. And we see the scroll gesture of touching heads with one another, sort of like a mm-hmm. hug or an embrace of love um, from the the scroll beings. We find out a little bit about them. Their lifespan, their maturity is much different than humans. They mm-hmm. live a lot longer, so they age differently. And as we flash to nor- to modern times, you start to feel a little bit at least why the scrolls are mad at Fury and why Gravik is mad at Fury when we see some of those. I thought – more of those moments Not necessarily just flashbacks back and forth But just more of understanding The relationship that they had Would mm-hmm. really help Because that was stuff we didn't know Really at all Um. Yeah. And um, sc- uh, Fury makes a comment at one point too About Skrulls and uh, knowing Some attractive Skrulls And we actually <laughs> are introduced to His wife, Vara yeah. Vara is the woman who ends up Becoming his wife, Priscilla um, a secret he has to keep for her safety. A lot, not a lot of people even know that Fury is married with a family. Um, what do you think of the the beginning of episode two? The flashback we see early um, mm-hmm. meetings between Talos, Fury, and the Skrulls as they're they're just trying to survive here. Right, as Talos mentioned, they've been hunted all around the world. They have no mm-hmm. home. They need a place to go. He's trying to lead his people, and Talos feels like he's found a man he can trust now in Fury. Yeah, I like it enough.
2: Uh, At this point, I'm still kind of on the same page as episode one. Uh, I feel like we're getting a lot of exposition-heavy stuff. This flashback, it really, really just exists to give us the backstory. Um, So it's kind of an exposition flashback. Um, It was the one I had in mind when I said earlier that – you know even the the flashbacks are just kind of people standing in a room talking and telling about what's what's going on in a way. Uh there's not a whole lot of like things happening in those. You know, there's introductions and whatnot, but uh it, it, that's really all all it is. They're just hi, I'm so and so, and this is my backstory. Uh and that that's that and that's how they met. Um, so but we get a little bit of the you know, the justification for for where uh the scrolls are at at this point and and why they're they're you know why they're wanting to do what they're doing and take over the world uh but it i'm not fully sold on on it quite yet one thing that stood out to me in this scene was the de-aging i thought it was really good but one thing they can't get over is sam jackson moving around like an 80 year old in a a, a, you know 40 year old's body it doesn't really work um that's just one thing that i noticed also in indiana jones i just saw that last weekend the same yeah. thing. His voice, uh, it, it looks great. It looks better than it ever has been. It looks With way better movement. than it did in Rogue One. The movement and even the the sound of the voice, it doesn't it doesn't work. It, it, it's a little too gravelly. It's a little off, and so it draws attention to itself. And I notice, you know, just the way Sam Jackson's a little bit like hunched over, and the way he holds his body in the flashback scenes looks like an old man. It just uh, it's just what it is, and it's and it's different than what it was even just ten years ago. Seeing or or if you look at um Nick Fury in the end of Iron Man he's this really formidable like you know strong looking uh, you know version of Nick Fury and then to think that we were we're going back 20 years or whatever before that and he's looking like I don't know it's just this uncanny valley of an old guy young guy thing uh, doesn't quite work that said it's technology it's the limitations I yeah I can easily look past
0: that we see the promise that Nick Fury and Talos make in the scrolls make we actually see Soren who is Talos' wife. We see a young Gaia. And when Nick Fury asks. You know who will make this promise. Sorin is the first one to step up. And she puts on her human face. And then the, we see the scrolls all agree. They step up one by one. They strike their deal with Fury. And we flash to, to today. Just after Gaia and Grevik set off the bombs. Maria is dead. And the scrolls are trying to make it seem like. It was like a U.S issue like it was a terrorist attack from the US there's a lot of questions about Soren I have because we don't mm-hmm. really like they just tell us that she's dead mm-hmm. we don't really know a lot about it you almost wonder if she could pop up in some place somewhere um I know that's what they're they're trying to do with the with the show but her like her exit is a little weird it doesn't seem clean to me um in in hearing about it maybe I'm I'm thinking too much about that but getting back to modern day tk mm-hmm. we see i thought it was really funny scene on the train where the russian soldiers are looking for fury they're looking for a black man and they are asking around "Anybody seen this black man and talos <laughs> shapeshifts into this gorgeous blonde train attendant <laughs> and he laughs he's like oh black man on a train in moscow you guys right. are funny I love that scene I thought it was really great And then Talos shapeshifts back And him and Fury have I thought a really cool scene There were like In episode 2 I thought it was a much It was an improvement on episode 1 And I thought there were like Three or four scenes That stood out to me The one at the beginning Like the flashback Mm -hmm. With the young When they're younger Um, Mm -hmm. This scene right here When they're on the train Talking Mm -hmm. I thought it was very important Um, Just getting some exposition between Talos between yeah. Fury, and I, apparently this story was actually a story that Samuel L. Jackson told about his own life, and they okay. Kept it. Uh,
2: I'm I'm so glad that you just mentioned that because I wanted to mention that this felt like the first time in you know the MCU's depiction of Nick Fury that they've characterized him. Um, with anything that was specifically African American in this backstory, any like kind of there was, black there was man. It, yep. yeah, yeah, a- everything about his characteri- characterization prior to this um, this conversation uh, could have been played by a, a-, a white guy, uh, so to speak. There was no, there was nothing that was specific to like that the, that experience in that backstory. So I thought that that was very noteworthy for having, you know added that layer to his character and made it like an actual part of the Nick Fury character that he had, you know, was you know experienced the American, you know, the African American, you know, experience mm-hmm. uh, racism. I think he talked about the segregated car in that sequence and a little bit about the foods that they ate and stuff like that and it was very specific, you know, to to that background. So I thought that that was really noteworthy. I didn't love the the scene as much as you did. I did, you know, you mentioned a lot of exposition. That's what it felt like to me. I felt like they were, like, forcing a lot of exposition out of this scene, and it kind of happened almost out of nowhere. I, I think they did a, a good—they they, they built can, it I up in can see in what a, you're saying with yeah. that.
0: Like, I like the scene, but again, it's, like, almost out of place. Right. Like, it just the comes method. at a weird time, or we needed, mm-hmm. like, one or two more scenes before this. I don't mm-hmm. know to, like, yeah. to get us to this point. I agree with you. It's it's like looking back after it now. It feels like a strong scene. But had we been talking about episode two on a single individual, we may have felt like we got there, like a little quick or yeah, a little rushed.
1: mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: I did like how uh, Nick kind of framed it in like his his spy psychology, and they kind of um, you know he told the story about getting the answer. Uh, a, a smaller question in order to find out about a larger question. Yes. The and mom, I like, thing I
0: like that. I, th- I love yeah. the mom. Whenever he mentions anything about his life, I love Fury. Like you're yeah. saying, like he has this, the one story we remember from, was it Winter Soldier that he tells in mm-hmm. the elevator about his grandpa? Um, and we, mm-hmm. we just don't hear very much about his, his history, but he says a, a game that he used to play with his mom when they were on the train, and it was mm-hmm. called Tell Me Something I Don't Know and it was a way that she could she could tell that he was lying about things, which is just <laughs> a great, like, I love this because it's like such a mom thing. Mom, yeah. they don't even need you to, to lie. They can tell by your response that you're lying. Right, right. And so, you know, he said his mom asked him about a girl, Susie, and he said, oh, yeah, I made up something. said, me and Susie saw a bullfrog with polka dots, and my mama smiled. Even though I'd lied through my teeth, the mere fact that I did that Told her everything she needed to know about me and Susie. <laughs> um, so then he asks yep. um, Talos, "Okay, let's go a few rounds. Tell me something I don't know about the destruction of Skrullos." Now, this is I can completely agree with you here because what I, what I didn't like about this part of the conversation is mm-hmm. like you're really telling me Fury has no idea there are a million scrolls here, or like if there were a million scrolls here, like how would that work to where nobody knows? We're talking a million. Not a like yeah. thousand or twenty thousand. Like a million scrolls all over. Fury has no idea. Nobody knows. And tall, Like, and then, again, now, is Talos a bad guy? Because he just brought a million <laughs> scrolls in. We have all of these people taking the identities of others. I- This felt like these two guys would know more than mm-hmm. they did right now. Just- Yeah. In this situation. and And- and maybe we find out that some of these talks were happening between a real character and a scroll, and maybe that's why some of these conversations don't feel the way that we think they should. But right. I don't like that that happens so often, to where I'm like, oh, okay, well that conversation didn't really feel real. And if we find out that <laughs> yeah. Fury wasn't a scroll, I'm just gonna think it was crappy writing. You know, like right. they were trying right. to to throw us off course. It's like Ralph Boner stuff. Right, going right, all the right. Way back to Wandavision, right? Just red herrings. Being too go cute. Go nowhere. Be cute. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. just to throw you off. S- simple is fine if it's really good. Like, predictable is fine when the story is told right. I don't care if something is predictable. If you know the way, like, if everything is told and all the story beats are good and you know that mm-hmm. the good guy's going to win at the end, like, fine, right? We know that's going mm-hmm. to happen a lot of the times. I. This was the part of the conversation where, you know He mentions a million of them Um, and Talo says We were being hunted across the universe, I had two choices Let my people be annihilated Or summon them here to Earth, what would you have done? Um Fury says, look I'm the host, I get to set the terms of the visitation But the host disappears, you were gone I didn't think you were coming back, I really didn't Talo said, and when you did There was no talking to you about anything real Your boot barely hits Earth And then you gotta go back up to your space station And you've been there for years Remember Fury was in the blip, he comes Mm -hmm. back And then he's gone And he's up in the Saber space station for years But Fury ends the conversation Angrily And again, maybe As we talk this out I can see why it didn't hit for you as much Because this is another part too Where, I don't know He he says humans can't coexist with each other You've been here long enough to know that And that is somewhat true We're a racist Like, Mm -hmm. group Innately, we may not be great Mm -hmm. We've been at war with each other Since we could walk upright There's not enough room or tolerance on this planet For another species Which is kind of funny Because in New Asgard like, right, another, right. there, like, literally, <laughs> is another species. Of yeah, that's a great that point. Already, let come and live in. The guys on the ringer were talking about this, though, in a weird way. Is like, is, and and it was. I, I kind of like when, when there's a real conversation about this. They were breaking it down. Like, do you think it has something to do with the fact that they look like white Englishmen, right? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. The people from New Asgard, like Thor, he just looks like a normal human. Like yes. he wouldn't think anything of it. He just looks like a normal guy. But if the scrolls were in their regular form, looking like green scaly aliens, would people be more terrified of them, because just because of mm-hmm. the way they look, you know? I thought that, that from that perspective was probably a pretty good point or a good way of bringing it up. Um, the I feel more- like that breaks down
2: a little bit though, if you think about like. Nick Fury would have to have like such internalized racism there completely to to adopt Com- that view and share absolutely. it absolutely um, which does, also, that, that's
0: where it, it doesn't make sense at all
2: you also have to ignore what's probably actually going on and my my feeling is Nick Fury agrees and won't say this to Talos but agrees with you know the people at the in the top, at the top that scrolls are a an inherent risk to yes. humanity because yes. of their specific uh the shape shifting. Shape shifting. Because the power. So so it's not just that, you know, the Asgardians can come in uh completely and because they're, they're they're white or whatever. It's and that's what actually they not do. true. These Asgardians aren't all white, by the way. you right. I mean, look the, the head of the Asgardian is not is not that white is a great right point. now. Um they've they've done a whole lot of that. Uh we had Idris Elba as a major character there. So they're they're multi- you know, ethnic Asgard versus you know more the, the, in, of what- in the MCU.
0: You hit it, it's what they can do yeah. It's how they can quickly Take a person's identity, shapeshift And completely Throw everything into chaos, what they're trying To do here Um. So Fury And Talos leave the train And we check back in London, it's this funeral for Maria Hill, her casket is placed on a plane Her mother watches Elizabeth, she calls Fury a bastard, uh, don't Give me a platitude when I'm looking for the truth. He does tell her the truth, like you said. She died in Moscow. We were there to to stop the attack. Someone set a trap. For me, someone wanted to hurt me, so they hurt her. And she says, so you're the reason I'm taking my daughter back home in a box. I'm sorry I couldn't protect her. You're Nick Fury. Maria believed in you. She would have followed you to the gates of hell and back. Look, I don't know what Maria died for out there. But whatever it was, don't let it be for nothing. She went from... I and and like the the um, the span of emotions that she goes from in like 20 seconds is just not real. Like you don't <laughs> you go through the stages of grief over a period of time, right. right? They tried to make her go through the stages of grief in 20 seconds. Like yeah. each of her each of her lines, she's telling like a different emotion. It's yeah, it's bizarre. It doesn't connect. It feels hollow. Um, yeah, it just. There's, you hit it. If we find out someone's a scroll or there's something more to this or Maria's still alive somewhere, mm-hmm. that makes more sense than this scene just being what it was.
2: Yeah. I hope that's what it is. I hope Maria's still alive. They either faked her her death or they're resurrecting her and, and you know, faking her death, you know, um, to everyone else. Uh, and that the mom is a
0: scroll and and Nick in that scene is just like playing her. That's what I'm hoping. We then. Here, the newscaster on uh, CUV News Developing story at this hour Several bombs exploded at the annual celebration in Moscow Killing at least 2,000 civilians One suspect is in custody um, A leading member of an online friends group Americans Against Russia We hear from the UK Prime Minister Who denounces it The NATO National uh, The NATO Secretary General We hear from also um, And we find out That these are members of the Scroll Council Fox News host. We have um, we have a prime minister. We have different world leaders, and now we have Grevik, who is taking over on the council. He is driven to the council meeting, and as they arrive, he goes in. Gaia stays out. He was not invited to the council meeting, even though he is now taking the place of Talos, and. Grevik gives Gaia a gun Tells her to make sure everything's okay out front And then he goes in For the council meeting He he just has this presence Right mm-hmm. away You know you see him um, Says you know I didn't get the formal invitation Everybody's dressed up And he's not um, Said I'm sure that was just an oversight Madam Prime Minister surely I see you all dressed up in the man's finery, drinking the man's wine, playing the man's game, using the man's fork and knife. Someone mentioned it's better to behave like a human than a dog. Kind of pointing out, hey, we're wearing the disguise. We might as well act like it. Greg doesn't feel that way. I quite like dogs. In fact, I prefer them. They're not hypocrites. They don't lie. They don't lock each other up in cages. They don't pimp poison. They don't go out of their way to degrade and destroy their own habitat. (laughs) As wow! Well. It's a naive reading of human history. It's the only reading of human history. Some of the other members of the council, they fight back. They obviously they want to keep their cover, right? Things are going well for them. They're all in places of power. They don't want to to lose what they have. But Grevik is he's a zealot. He's an anarchist. He's an extremist here. He doesn't think sitting around doing nothing will continue. To help their cause He's willing to murder 2,000 innocent humans Like they said Mm. Um, And then Grevik actually speaks the scroll language here Fury promised us all We were there, we heard it You keep your word, I keep mine That never happened Fury abandoned us Um, Earth will be uh, our home now I will take it And he gives a big speech I think it's a war It's a war And unlike the last war each one of us around this table fought in, I'm not going to lose this one. Humans are doomed to self-destruction long before we arrived on this planet. They were destined to consume themselves. So for anyone flinching at the thought of innocent deaths, let me assure you, we're only hastening the inevitable. And he goes full scorched earth here. And they try to fight back a little bit. First, Sergio mentions the Avengers. He says, don't worry about that. Put your faith in me. You will be replay, uh, repaid um, The Prime Minister tries to step up Just look, we need to streamline our chain of command uh, We need a single commander whose war power is total and unchecked And TK, we see, this was all a plot mm-hmm. Th- This was a mm-hmm. plot, Grevik comes in and he had support And all of a sudden, Grevik wasn't even supposed to be in this meeting And by the end of this meeting, he is the one true leader yeah. that they have put their power in um it was like a crazy hitler rise to power that you see like we when someone comes in takes over and all of a mm-hmm. sudden like how the hell did that happen
2: yeah yeah he's the he's their uh, the leader of the revolution right now is their evil george washington yeah you're you're uh, absolutely right yeah it, <laughs> and it was, it, there's there's something about his um I don't know. He's, he's got that X factor leadership quality. You kind of spoke to it earlier. Uh, but it's something with the actor. They, they, they got the casting for it really, right. They wrote the character like that and he was really able to embody that in his performance that he just, he has this charisma, uh, and people look to him and believe in him and he clearly believes in what he's doing. Um, and uh, believes that he's right, even though we we can see he's he's deranged at this point. Uh, and that's also what you were you were talking about earlier about you know having believable motivation, even if it's if it's not really a, a logical motivation or it, or if it's not a correct motivation, it needs to at least make sense from that character's perspective. And they've they've done well with all that. We uh, in the comics,
0: actually. Obama, John McCain, Stephen Colbert are scrolls. Wow. Uh, which wow. is kind of fun, which is cool. <laughs> I love I love that. Um is the meeting finishes, they all reluctantly agree. Gravic, our new general, uh, surely does not get on board with this. I fear each one of you has forgotten our history. We didn't end up homeless refugees because we were unwilling to wage war. Because it, we ended up homeless because we were too willing I do not support your coup I will not support your war And I do not submit Grevik lets her leave Tells her she won't be harmed She leaves, she calls, she informs Talos She lets him know Talos sets up a meeting between himself and Grevik He wants to try to speak some sense into this guy Before things get too out of hand And so we see you know, Gaia She's his driver she takes Grevik back to the Skull commune, and the entire place cheers for their new leader. He has now taken over. He is now in control, and Grevik is the man. Flash yes. to Rody being questioned at a summit. This was weird to me. It didn't mm-hmm. seem like a big deal. It didn't seem like a normal Congress sort of setting. It seemed like mm-hmm. they were just in like this really small room. You even wondered, like a like, hearing, like a yeah. hearing. Like, why is Rhodey there and not someone else? Like, what role does he have? We don't have the president or even someone else. He must be pretty high up. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy how the U.S. is portrayed as the bad guy here and everyone's just taking Russia's side. Um, <laughs> I thought that was was kind of funny. Um, Rhodey makes mention of you know slovakia talking trash to them Says Slovakia rules rolls its eyes at me one more time i'm gonna put on the suit and carpet <laughs> vomit i thought that was a funny line <laughs>
2: that's
0: pretty messed up it, it was really messed up it just a made me there. Right there. i know i was like <laughs> yeah. wow roadie look at that yeah. um and roadie roadie gets like i, I think someone saw, said roadie gets like iron man one roadie in, in a in mm-hmm. a moment where he says uh President Ritson has a pretty busy day job Running the most powerful country and military On the face of the planet He doesn't just hop to and summon Not by France, not by Italy, not by the UK Now while we're sensitive to your concerns Until such time as you can present An actual shred of evidence to back the concerns I'm afraid sensitivity Is all you're going to be getting from us As uh, he exits the hearing He answers a call from Fury And they go to me So Fury and Rhodes meet. I love that when uh, when Fury walks up, he mentions Slovakia. Says Slovakia <laughs> talking, or he said, what's wrong with Croatia talking crap? And R- Rhodes says Slovakia. <laughs> and Fury says, Well, carpet palm their ass. <laughs> yeah. And let's nice call back. They have this conversation. They're sitting down in a restaurant where no one else is there. It's just the two of them. And they have this. This conversation, and it was kind of getting back to what you said. This is two black men in the MCU talking mm-hmm. about the struggles that they've had in the world to get to their positions of power, and it was yeah. like, wow, we don't really, we I don't think we've ever seen much like this at all. There was some of the stuff like this in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, have got with, Ro- with, what,
2: with Rhodey, with specifically. Rhodey, specifically, but we, yeah. but
0: not at all with Fury, as you had mentioned. Like Fury mm-hmm. was never that character. We've had that from Sam. We've had that from Roadie a little bit, but never from Fury. And this is when Fury was really leaning in. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason why they're talking, Rhodes is there to fire Fury because Fury was involved in Russia, in Moscow. That event, that incident, 2,000 people are dead. It's now being blamed on Fury, on Maria Hill. Why were they there? What were they doing? (laughs) And – This is a conversation that led a lot of people to wonder if Rhodes is really a scroll Or if this is Rhodes or not He has this conversation He doesn't seem as empathetic to some of the race things that Fury is talking Mm -hmm. about About, hey, look, we got to these positions of power And now we have to help each other out Or else it's going to be the same thing over and over Rhodey's kind of Mm -hmm. the opposite way He said, no, we have to do what's right Or else we're going to be just as bad as the people who came before us, um, mm-hmm. it's a it's a powerful conversation. It is between the two of them because there's a lot of like real stuff in it. Um, mm-hmm. Fury mentions the scrolls and they're worse than Hydra because they can shape shift into your daddy. Rose mm-hmm. says, "I've known about them for 15 years. I was part of an eyes only top secret presentation about shape shifting alien species that had sent a few of its light ships crashing down to Earth." Hmm, okay. Rhodes said, Oh, you know, we were being invaded. We didn't even, we couldn't even tell who the invaders were. Moscow was just the beginning, um, is what Fury says. Rhodes suggests calling their friends, the Avengers. And mm-hmm. Fury says, No, we can't do that. We can't put them in a fight with the scrolls. And then the next thing you know, they're duplicated and they're turning themselves into terrorists. And mm. This line right here, I thought about a lot. Is why, like you were saying, what makes this so difficult for Fury is what we find out at the end of this episode. He's married to a scroll. Yeah. This is what puts him in a really difficult position
1: is that he is
0: is involved. He wants to save the scrolls because he has a wife that's a scroll. He doesn't want the scrolls to be ostracized, to be hunted. He does love his friend Talos. It seems like they do really have. A relationship there, but this, as you had mentioned, the scrolls are dangerous, and mm-hmm. he's been put in a, a really difficult position. Rhodey mentions that he's here as an envoy of the U.S. government, and he's here to fire him, like he he fires him yeah. there, which is really crazy. Um, to the enemy, uh, you know, they just sort of get back and forth into it as Fury keeps trying to let him know how serious they are. Rody, you know Kind of keeps punching back he's the company Man here and Fury laughs At him they sent you to fire me No I volunteered and not To put too fine a point on this That mess you created in Moscow resulted In getting one of our best people murdered You earned all the, the smoke uh, Fury gets Up takes the gun from From Rody's security guy Just to sort of let Rody know look yeah. I still got it right like I'm still me and that's when you said at the end when he says the great Samuel L. Jackson line, which was such a line. Fury says, so you good. wonder why you're out. I'm Nick Fury. Even when I'm out, I'm in. Oh,
2: he crushed so it, good. too. So
0: good. That was like a shaft delivery
2: right there. It was so it was so money. Was like only Samuel L. Jackson could deliver that quite as well as he did right there. I mean, other other actors could may, could maybe pull it off, but. Sam Jackson's the only one who can let it soar.
0: Have you seen Ted 2? Um, there's a scene,
2: Ooh, I don't know. A while back, a while there's back. There's
0: a scene where, you know, uh, Amanda Seafried, who, she's adorable in that movie. You sort of like really yeah, follow like, her. She's, she, she plays a great character there. But they, they mention, oh yeah, Samuel L. Jackson. And, and she says, he, who? He says, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> she says, I never I never heard of him. It's like, What? And she's like, "What is he in?" And it's every movie ever. <laughs> yeah. it just, like it just reminds, like, just Samuel L. Jackson is right. like the quintessential actor you think of. And this was yeah. like that that moment here for him, as uh, Fury, exhausted, sits on a bench. He's a little sad. I mean, he was he was being tough, but this was his life, right? This was his life's work here, protecting Earth. He's never been a person that's had like. His own hobbies and personal life. We see that. His life, his work is his job. So this is sad for him. We flash to Sonia. This older woman who enters a butcher shop. She grabs a knife. She walks into the back where a man is uh, tied up with chains. And he's <laughs> being tortured for information. But, it's, but they're not getting it. There are five men that are trying to torture this guy. And he's giving them nothing. And she... This is one of the scenes I remember most From the whole show so far How just prim and proper <laughs> She walks in and she's like cleaning her knives a little bit And the men are all like What, what is this older woman going to do They say like We've thrown everything at him He hasn't said a word She's like I can be pr- quite persuasive Um I said, Where's the escape hatch in this dump And she like sets herself up They're in a meat fridge
1: yeah.
0: And she locks the door so it's just her and the hostage. And she walks up and she asks, are we going to do this the easy way or the hard way? The man threatens her. He, he's a tough guy. She cuts off his finger yeah. first, which reveals that that he's a scroll. And then she says, well, now that's confirmed. Let's party, shall we? <laughs> and we flash back and forth a couple times to her torturing. She shoots him. She injects him with a needle of something and he starts to dry out. His veins are like rushing and rising up through his body She asks him to tell her the location of Grevic's compound He won't He continues not to um, And we continue to see her torturing Till finally she gives it away or He gives it away Um she said, if I, if I don't get a name, Gravick won't get the chance to kill you The man admits, Dalton, the name's Dalton you see that wasn't so difficult was it she smiles and then the men who were previously um trying to torture they actually get attacked by gravik and the scrolls so much that we almost wonder again about this scene like you kind of wonder about her what is she exactly mm-hmm. doing this was sort of quaint and convenient that she was able to get out unharmed and exit here um yeah. but a really terrifyingly fun torture scene from from her who did a great job here
2: yeah and you, you said it best before that mary poppins vibe uh really set really sells it really makes the it's almost like that scene in um reservoir dogs where what's the actor i think is michael madsen he's cutting the cop's ear off and he plays oh, that, yes. that, that one song that's stuck in the middle yes kind of upbeat and th- there's that yeah that um there's sort a of humor to it. It's like opposites. a light. Yeah.
0: yeah, there's a lightness to the darkness that is a perfect contrast because it doesn't work always when you try to do this, right? It can get really right. weird when you try to do the funny. Sit like, um. Mm-hmm. There was a TV show that I just watched recently. I think that was called like uh, it was about a podcast. It was with Kaylee Cuoco. It's on Peacock. Um, mm-hmm. it sort of does this where it's like a comedy, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. there's like brutal murder happening that you just don't see mm-hmm. coming. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a little uneven at times. Like it's not horrible, but it's just like you don't really know what they're going for uh, a lot yeah. of the time. Um, this actually felt great. Like it was, it was awesome. It was creepy, and it was good. And um, we we see at the end of this episode, Gravic is smart. He can sense that Gaia is now torn. I think mean, he he can feel the people around him. He knows when they're all in. He knows when they're not all in. And Gaia's been getting information now About her mom Her mom's dead Did Gravik kill her mom? Did Gravik and some of the people that she's living with kill her mom? If so Is she on the right side? She's completely torn And you can feel that that, You can feel it They do such a great job with Gravik Giving like little side eye Little looks There's Mm -hmm. the tension between the two of them When they're in the cars or in the rooms And there's these quiet shifts And I I thought it was it was really, really good. Um, the end of the episode, Grevik comes in and saves the man who's being tortured. Mm-hmm. But as they get back home to their safe house, the cops have all been there, so the cops have all arrived. And there's this final scene where mm-hmm. you see Grevik. Final scene between the the rebel scrolls where you see Grevik. It's like a it's like old Yeller. They just mm-hmm. save this yeah. this man. They just save this man who's part of their team. He's part of their crew, but the man is wounded, and he's going to slow them down. So they take him out to the woods and shoot him.
2: Yeah. It know. was kind of Godfather-esque, too, uh, a little yes. bit. Uh, might be being generous there, but I, I, I was reminded of that moment. Uh, leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yeah. The James Conn, uh murder and that, that um, Sonny murder and that. Film, but it was good. It was a good way to end it and a good way to motivate Gaia's. Right? Uh, that's the one. As that's well.
0: the, that's a perfect point, right? Cause that's what that's the the, the tipping point for her. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it, I think she's still conflicted up until this point. She's not sure. My dad, I don't know, but that didn't seem right. They were, nothing was happening. But in my mom, and then he, she sees grevit go out there and kill someone who's higher up on the ranks than she is. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah. If, they, if they're willing to kill him, I could just be sacrificed at any moment, and maybe we're not on the right side here.
2: Which, um, come to think of it, that's a little bit of a selfish motivation if you think about it. If they're going to make her a protagonist long-term, that's a pretty selfish motivation for her to switch. She had no issue with the murder of you know, thousand
0: people. people. <laughs> like, other people. Like human beings and stuff. Like, yeah, that's, just the that's one, interesting. I completely agree with you. There are some of these things that that bother me a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. as I was saying, like that the presence of the scrolls taking the place and how fury that doesn't really bother him because mm-hmm. his wife, as we see at the end of this episode, he walks home. He gets yeah. in his car. He drives home. He walks in. And as he walks in, his wife reminds him to put a ring back on. His yeah. wife is a scroll. She kisses yeah. him. And we now understand why this is such a unique situation for him because he's married to one of these yeah. aliens. Who now are split Half the scrolls are on sort of a Mm -hmm. a righteous good side That still want to be fulfilling the promise they made with Fury With Talos Mm -hmm. And then there are like a younger newer group of rebel scrolls Who have been around for a while They feel like they've been lied to They feel like they've been deceived They don't have any more patience And she's caught up right in the middle of all of that His wife Yeah so as we transition from episode 2 to episode 3, which is called Betrayed, we now get a little bit more of a sense for for furies at home life. Episode 3 mm-hmm. opens up with the previously on, and then we see three scrolls preparing for a big moment. It looks like they're going to have another attack. This is Pagon, Xerxu, and Beto. Mm-hmm. And they all get fake identities. As officers in the British Navy, they are given files, and now they need to infiltrate the British Navy, and they are going to launch an attack, just creating chaos all over the place. So Gravik meets with members of the council in what looks like an abandoned lab. He lets them know of the plan. They have men uh, executing the plan while Gravik is talking over. We get cuts back and forth to see the whole thing set up that's sort of the plot point for this episode there's another attack that is about to happen can the good guys basically stop this attack from happening that's what we're going to be dealing with through the bulk of episode yeah. 3 here yeah yeah and it's
2: just continuing they set the stakes you know with what happened in Russia and now they got this the submarine uh attack and the you know a missile that's going to be fired uh so the stakes are you know equally high they're just continuing in that in that trajectory and the ultimate goal at this point not i shouldn't say the ultimate goal but the first steps in their plan uh these rebel scrolls is to just again you know uh so discontent so chaos uh, in in the world you know on a global scale so that things will break down faster and they'll be able to just more easily take over the place. It's it's really that simple. Uh, but I think it's worth noting. I don't think this was a nuclear uh, warhead that they're going after because they're not going to want to, you know, irradiate the the surface of the world. They're going to want to yes. actually take over this this world. Uh, so they they want to do these things that are, you know, causing orcas- chaos and orcas- killing a lot of people. Yeah. But they still want they still want to be able to use this place.
0: Yep. We get a flashback. New York City, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, first, we get the secret invasion intro, and then we flash back to 1998 with Nick Fury entering a coffee shop, and this is where he meets his future wife. We've seen Vara in the flashbacks before in 1997, so Fury knew Vara then, but as he walks into this coffee shop, she's taken on a different identity of a younger black woman. And he didn't recognize her at first. Uh, he said, Vara. The new face of yours is, she laughs, mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, so they flirt a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this was the part I sort of had a, a problem with. He asks, who is she? Mm-hmm. And and Vara flirts back, well, that depends on where this goes. And he says, no, 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 there's a rule that, you know, commander of station and operatives cannot be. So th- immediately, like, they just go right past that. Like, they're just, who, whose body did you take? Like, who? Right, like, right. There's a person in a fracking pod somewhere, laying there. You've stolen their identity. Who is it? I don't worry about it. But okay, yeah,
2: I'm confused by that, to be honest with you. Because me too. I you brought that up earlier, but I wasn't actually on that same page. I wasn't sure that all of the scrolls were were doing that with the fracking pod. Maybe, yeah. Like, can they just create like a new person, like a a fresh person, right?
0: Can Is that because that's a whole different story right Can mm-hmm. they just mimic them without downloading all of their memories And without taking that yeah. person away from their life Then we're talking two different things because then this conversation here It's fine to be flirty and because and the, what yeah. they're really getting at Is I don't work for you anymore right mm-hmm. that's basically yeah. what she's Saying like so we can date You know, I'm not under you anymore Because Fury tries to explain There's a rule, commander and operatives cannot be She says, but look Our unit doesn't exist That means I don't work for you Because it's not on the books Nobody knows about the scrolls. It's a secret thing So if it's a secret thing He can't get in trouble for dating someone Right? So it's it's great Like if you have a secret job, you can't be You know, I, I I love that And so he says oh okay that's an intriguing possibility um so we we see the start of their relationship mm-hmm. and then we quickly I'm, I'm, go ahead i just, i'm glad you
2: mentioned it like that the start of their relationship though they seemed to mention that there was more relationship be, beyond that like so what was the real start of their relationship what, what was that first like flirty mm-hmm. glance that's what i want to know yes. was she in her her scroll form at the yes time? yes
0: she was that, the one that's what I'm
2: confused about. who
0: brought Gravik to, right, right. Fury. And so when he, when she brought him there, she was in her scroll form. But you're right, that wasn't the first time, right? They knew each other already at that point. Like, mm-hmm. what are the first flirty interaction? Like, you're, yeah. Is he attracted it, to the scroll right away. That's or what I want to know. Woman, and then. <laughs> Right? Yes, you're right. He's like Did he
2: fall oh. in love with her personality as a scroll and then like got got into the idea of you know dating her once yes. she you know she saw the new human form, yes. or like was there yes. an old human form that that caught his eye and that started it off? Or like what is he, he just down he, with the scroll? I was gonna say <laughs> he's he down typist? with a scrollness? I
0: was gonna yeah, say, he's right. a typist, right? We got everyone has a type. He likes the <laughs> green ones, you know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> just his thing. I uh um <laughs> I'm not positive, but we do flash back to current day now. And it's Samuel L. Jackson cooking. I will say it's a little out of place, right? He's listening to like the Fox News pundit. It's like, come on! I don't mm-hmm. know. This seemed a little backwards here, but he's got the news <laughs> on his background, and it's well. Maybe, doubtful. maybe
2: that's maybe that's another clue. Uh, what does he say? He says, "At the the right, a broken clock is right uh, twice, twice a, day. a day." Yeah. But maybe he's just saying that because he knows that dude's a scroll. He's and he's just keeping tabs on yeah. on, on you know the people who are. Who've already kind of invaded That's a
0: great point uh, and that,
2: if, if what I'm hoping is true about You know him playing possum and knowing More than he's you know uh,
0: Letting on at this point you know that might be the case here So in the kitchen Fury's wife comes in They have a little interaction he calls her Scylla, Priscilla So we hear her referred to as both Vara And Priscilla you know in, in different Time periods And they uh, Have a little ice breaking where they joke a bit. Oh, I forgot things cook differently up in space and blah, blah, blah. But then she gets into it. What calamity must have transpired to bring you home to me? It's been years. He says, look, if you want me to apologize for being gone, just say so. I like how specific she was about this. Hmm. Darling, you are Nick Fury. I never harbored any illusions about the necessity of you going away. But staying away, that leaves a mark. Hey, you marry a baseball player, you know he's going to be on the road all year, right? Yeah. that's You got into it. You know he's going to be traveling half the time. It's the other time when you're supposed to be back home and you're still gone. That's yeah. when you feel like, okay, there's something maybe wrong or maybe that love's still not there or the connection's still not there. He said, uh, mm-hmm. I retired. And uh, he mentions, I never cared much for golf. I'm thinking I may take up revenge. He asks her about Gravik, and she gets pissed off right away. Why are you asking me that? Because I need to be sure, Fury says. I need to be sure about who you've become when, who while I was gone. And she fights, fights back. I became a widow. I wept on your pillow every night. I grieved for you. And then just when I thought I got past the heartbreak, you came back in the blip. And then I think we're going to get— To do everything together we're gonna Undo all the pain together we're gonna go back To the way things were and then you're gone Again only this time Mm -hmm. You chose to leave And so if you're interested in Who I became in your second absence I became me The me I was before you what other Choice was there when you kept disappearing As if you were never really here in the first place This is a good Good like speech from her and from her Character Mm -hmm. she's Spot on how many times in shows and movies or whatever or in life Do We want the woman or a partner Or someone to just be there With you and not have their mm-hmm. own life Or motivation or like mm-hmm. um, You know Any sense of purpose and that's What she was feeling look I was your yeah Your woman and now you're gone What am I supposed to do just stay here and do nothing I, I had to get mm-hmm. back to who I Was I didn't even know what was Up with you so I, I like that From her here Mm -hmm. And now we were really confused Kind of throughout the rest of this episode As to their dynamic Because she gets a phone Mm -hmm. call From Rodi. It's from Rhodey We find out And what's really cool about this I won't pretend like I picked this out my own But on New Mm -hmm. Rockstars uh, Eric was mentioning In the kitchen And Mm -hmm. if you notice times that Fury has the glasses on It's really interesting because We're seeing two different Hmm. Furies in this series We're seeing the Fury that's wearing the glasses And it's a little bit more like Prim and proper And then the other Mm -hmm. one that wears the beanie That's no glasses He's a little darker looking And he just seems a little like A little grimier Um, Hmm. And the one with the glasses is funny Because remember His glasses They're not quite like Iron Man glasses But they've got the AR they've got yeah. the, all of those tech the technology so as yeah. he flips around backwards and he turns around and he lets his wife talk on the phone like there's a high probability that he could hear everything that was on the phone right probably with a yeah. microphone right there in the glasses and then there's even a moment Tim where he turns around mm-hmm. after um after the call and she says oh uh she, she said i don't have any information on the uh, I got a – I don't have that information. Okay, cool, and then she hangs up. Fury asks something important. She says nope, and she walks away. He stares right. at her phone almost like he can see into it, like
1: mm-hmm.
0: almost like he can see, oh, I saw that number, or I know that – I I get the right. sense that he knows she was talking to Rhodes right then. And then that's why mm-hmm. we see – like the, the next time we see him, he's gone, and he's going to meet with Talos talking about information that he has um, right now, yeah, I mean, at the end of the episode, we we get another little scene from his wife talking to Rhodes. But, like, as of right now, if you were to have to predict, do you think this is she is playing fury? Do you think she's Ooh. on fury's side? and there's like a double agent thing to this to where she's just doing something to save him. if you had to guess just good or bad, kind of right now where we are? Do you think she's a good or bad motivated character?
2: Uh, Breaking it down like that, good. I think she's good and that there's just a whole layer or multiple layers of this onion that we're just not seeing yet. Yes, I I think that her, possibly Rhodey, and Nick are all working together, but they're maintaining perhaps an illusion that there's yeah some type of a cover that they're in, in opposition toward one another. Um, I would, So
0: I, I, would make that I don't mic. know how that Yeah, I yeah. don't know how it fits together But yeah <laughs> So checking back in with The rebel scrolls Led by Grevik, he wakes up Gaia And he, uh, mm-hmm. he lets her know Someone told the cops where we were headed And only we knew that It was me, you, Pagan, Beto in the car It's hard for Brogan To confess something he didn't know She tries to tell him Look, he did confess It wasn't me but you can see that Gravik doesn't really believe her Like he's yeah. He's not believing her And he does tell her Look tomorrow morning you're coming with me Your father called for a parley Apparently we're meeting about you We see the next morning Gravik and Gaia get off a plane They get into a car And Grevik's speaking to someone on the phone Talking about the UN plane At Neptune's coordinates 2200 hours He then enters a building it's a museum This is his meeting with Talos Gaia We're still not exactly sure her Motivations what side she's on But what she's Mm -hmm. doing is she's just taking notes Like she's being a really good um, Observer of everything that's Going on literally like jotting things down On her phone important information And we have the Interaction with Gravik and with Talos In this museum Gravik mentions a painting Statesman of World War One sums up the whole thing I'd say The difference between statesmen and soldiers uh, One lot spends the war posing for pictures While the other does all the killing and the dying I mean look at that fat smug smile on his face You ask me Talos the choice between having my story in ink and oil paint Or having it written in blood I choose blood all day long This is a very like yeah. it's an anarchy like You think of the Joker kind of bane, like let the world burn type stuff. Um, Yeah, but Talos is a lot more logical here. Yeah, yours and everybody else's, right? All all of our blood, not not just your blood. Uh, He says, yeah, and they sit down and talk. You ask for parley. Let's have a parley. Sit down, eating grevic pours just tons of sugar in his coffee it's like a weird little thing he does this every time Mm -hmm. he drinks coffee like lots of coffee like milk and sugar um talos even asked why don't you get an empty cup there's something weird to that like i i feel like there's going to be something to that coffee thing because we've seen it Mm. a few times and there's been a really interesting contrast to how like fury drinks black coffee yeah yeah you know um uh so that I don't know. We read into these things sometimes, like especially a show like this where we're looking for secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, those are fun things just to kind of point out.
2: Yeah, as, I doubt that's incidental. I, I, right? I think you're onto something there for
0: sure. Um, and Gravic or Talos just says, "Look, what I want for you to do is stand down and stop murdering innocent humans. Like easy enough. Says I would be doing us both a favor if I just put you out of your misery right here." Talo said you want an honor meeting Go ahead say the word Well an honor meeting wouldn't be proper honor would it A general challenging his subordinate to Knives and you Are you pun, uh, puzzled why the council Would prefer me as general To the likes of you and then he mentions Her daughter he says guy is in the car you want to come Say hello you don't want to mention people's Daughters or mm-hmm. significant Others <laughs> right like that's the That's the crossing yeah. of the line you don't Mention their kids and you don't mention their wives or Husbands that kind of a thing um, yeah. And I mean, and that's he's uh, trying immediately to do that.
2: Preceded. It's immediately preceded, though, by them, you know, kind of toying with the idea of having a knife fight versus each other. So yeah, they're they're already at a very heightened state right now. Of, like and life so or death. Like I'm gonna fucking kill you. He knows what <laughs> he's
0: doing, right? Like he's he's yeah. saying these things that are purposely trying to piss off Talos mm. to try to to try to get him riled up because Gravik knows. He's got all the support in the world behind oh, him. Oh, yeah. This yeah. scene was awesome. This was yeah. awesome. As I liked it. Talos stands up ready to fight Grevik, but as this happens, all of the people that are in the restaurant eating at tables behind, they all stand up and shapeshift to look like Grevik. Yeah. I am Spartacus. Yes, it is yeah. awesome. This show of Solidarity from his cult Now and they're not even Like scrolls anymore They're yeah. followers of Gravik, Which is yeah. this was a, Like visually It was awesome like it was a really yeah. Cool scene this is one of the Another one of those scenes like I it, The show hasn't Flowed as well as I've liked But, mm-hmm. but you pointed out I think when we talked about a lot of these movies And shows at mm-hmm. the end of it if there are at least a couple things yeah. I will always remember It probably has done its job You know, maybe it wasn't yep. as clean or as smooth as it should have been But are there at least a few things I can remember specifically from that And from this show, there are going to be a couple, no doubt And this graphic mm-hmm. scene was one of them It was cool I can't recall seeing too much stuff like that You pointed out the st- the Spartacus mm-hmm. stuff But as far as like the technology we have now and seeing how kind of clean it looked how everybody stood uh. up and shifted into him and then, like Talos is thinking oh shit like you said like yeah oh my god there's 50 Grevix out there what do like oh shit and like it was yeah. this really cool moment um i i i loved i really really liked it i thought it was a a great Damn. scene and then what it, um so like this happens Following mm-hmm. this, Talos stabs Grevik in the hand, yeah. and yep. we see Grevik just kind of nonchalantly put yeah. his hand back, and then his hand regenerates and heals mm-hmm. as Talos walks out. So we in get a very a sent-
2: specific way too. Yes. it it, it, re- it heals with this like burning ember type uh, visual, which is exactly. Like the way the extremist stuff worked in Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. All the, um, what's his name? Aldrich?
0: Aldrich Killian, I think it was. We saw the the DNA that they were extracting. And extremist was one of the subjects along with Groot. Um, so these are the super scrolls now who have these powers on top of their shape-shifting abilities. Fantastic scene. Thought yeah. the scene was great. Um, just one of the most memorable scenes so far uh in this series, as Gravit gets back in the car with Gaia, and then we get the weird Talos Fury scene. This is the one mm-hmm. where Fury goes to meet with Talos. Remember, just like a day or two ago, they had the big blow up on the train. Yeah, yeah. And now they're talking, and when Fury enters, it's almost like that never happened. Like it and maybe
2: and maybe That's he didn't because it didn't, yeah. Right? Yeah. Maybe he is maybe. The, the
0: scroll. This is the Fury that doesn't have glasses on. Right. He's the different looking one than the guy who was just standing in his kitchen not long ago. Also, like we don't know timing of things. I'm thinking to mm-hmm. myself, shit, he got here pretty quick, right? right. Like yeah. wherever he was, now he's here over uh, you know different part of the world. Uh, just shows up in London randomly. Um, makes a he makes a comment about English breakfast. Which mm-hmm. seemed like something he was cooking. Like he was cooking something right. similar to that, and now he's yeah. ripping on their food. There were just some
2: inconsistencies, yeah. Of, this,
0: of like their conversation, like, um, you know, even Talo says, You're shameless, aren't you? You said what you said to me yesterday, and you have the balls to come in here and ask me for help. And Fury said, yeah. I didn't ask you for help. Um, he makes it Talo says, Yeah, okay, yeah, you just came here to have breakfast and ask how I'm doing, right? Um Fury says, No, I got a lead on a rebel scroll that's high up in the US government and he's in London. So that that could very well be the information he heard on the phone from his wife. Mm-hmm. Like that could be legit or it could be trying to throw us off because there were just like yeah. one or two things in this scene that I didn't, that I thought was weird. Um, first up, Talos asks, Okay, how can I help you? Um, okay. Yeah, obviously you told me you got a line on a scroll government. I'm not just going to jump and help you. So I need you to use your words. Tell me and ask me for help. This seems like a, a thing that Nick Fury wouldn't have liked. Right. Like yeah, somebody, he wouldn't
2: have. Yeah, he, too prideful.
0: He he would not have. If somebody said that to him, he's not the type of guy who's like, you know, like like we're just thought. Sometimes, you know, you got to pick and choose your battles, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there are times where, you like, I know I was right about something, and I'm like, I just got to say I was wrong. Like, I just got to shut up. I'm just going to end the fight right now. Like, it's just not yeah. worth it in the long run. That doesn't seem like what we know of Fury. Like, no. he's just not been that type of guy. And now, all of a sudden, Fury is just going to walk over and whisper in his ear, "Help yeah. me, be Talos because I am useless without you. I don't he's know. gonna roll yeah
2: roll over and show his belly like that no he's way too stubborn and way too prideful for that uh, he it might not have been the end of the conversation there uh, but he would have said something he would have said something to counter it I think yeah. and he would have kept he, he would have kept pushing uh, and found a way to get that common ground without just immediately you know giving way to 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 that uh, giving yeah. it all away uh, yeah. yeah that something felt off about that. Maybe, maybe it's just Fury that's just showing a different side of Fury that yeah. he can he can Older, bury the hatchet and emotional. Yeah. This is
0: like a good friend of his, right? Like that. They were led yeah. to believe they're really good friends, and right, they do that's have. Important. This, and then they do have like. I don't want to feel like the scene they have following this is between mm-hmm. a scroll and, and another person, right? Because there is a mm. really like beautiful scene following this between Talos mm-hmm. and Fury. At the end, where yeah. I, I think Tolo says something like what Fury asks, "Why are you on my side? Like, why aren't you with Gravik?" And he said, "Well, that's why, because it's your side. I'm with you. Like I'm your guy. Whatever the, yeah. whatever you're on, I'm on. And it's this like, oh, like this loyalty, um yeah. that's like really kind of sweet. And I gotta say, Ben Mendelsohn cooks for a lot of this episode. like he gets He's amazing. The, yeah. he really like. He's awesome in particular yeah. in this episode and like right here mm-hmm. in the bar. And then again, after when they get in the car um, and they're going to, to Bob's, Like, guess yeah. she does a really, really great job of just standing out and his, what I love about modern day acting or just modern day content, watching movies and shows people mm-hmm. that 40 or 50 years ago would have never been been an actor because they had a distinct look or a sound mm-hmm. or something about them mm-hmm. now we've found ways to create projects and roles for these super talented people to where like yeah. guy like him like the first time you hear his voice it's a little off and then it becomes like soothing and like endearing yeah freaking. yeah and like i want him to like read me my shopping list you know what i mean yeah. like just yeah. it's And a guy like this you feel like may not have had a place a while back I do Mm -hmm. like that in nowadays like And I'm not acting like Hollywood's perfect or anything There's a lot of stuff that still comes out that we like roll our eyes at But just in the general sense of like who can get roles And you really do feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of times Talented people are given more opportunities than they would have been before to, mm-hmm. Based on like shallow stuff, like the look or the sound or whatever, this guy is just frickin awesome, man. Like he really is.
2: yeah, yeah, he gets to be a leading man here when he's got that those character actor chops and yes. uh, and a sort of an aesthetic and general vibe that maybe isn't so much the traditional leading man. It's generally more. Um, you know, assigned towards like, uh, you know, character roles. Uh, exactly. But in this case, it's like the best of both worlds. And every once in a while, there's roles and actors that are like that. And it's, it's a it's a beautiful combination. And yeah, I I, I know the name uh, and I've been vaguely aware of him, but uh, this is the first time I've ever really like, uh, you know, kind of got, gotten to know this actor, really have been invested in him at all. And he's really shown uh, just... Uh, amazing prowess here. I, I, I want to look into his, um, his the, filmography the best, and see the what best else he's done. Thing
0: he's ever done. Um, mm-hmm. a, a show that I really, really liked was on Netflix. It was called, let me look it up. Um, very, very good. He, he um, it's, uh, it's like a family. It's kind of like succession, mm-hmm. but it's like, um, like a really rich, well-off family that lives in like the the like like North yeah. Carolina, like on the shores. I think it's called. I've got to find it. It's also with Kyle Chandler in it, the the father from um the Friday Night Lights. It is really oh, a uh, Linda Carter He's in, in that also too. Uh, Linda Carter it, it takes it place in Florida? It's yes. one in Florida. Yes, in Florida. Oh, it's like yeah. It was one of the first like Netflix the, the shows. shows. Um, let me. Let I heard me that find. was great. Yeah, I didn't know he was in very that. good. It's like three seasons and. The the third season is like a little a little off, but Bloodline, Bloodline, Bloodline? yep, yeah, it. Bloodline. It's good. It's very good, and How about he's that? like he's excellent in it. It's like well, that cast of Bloodline are all people that yeah. we that like we've talked like we love Linda Carlini. She's great. She's one of the main in there, and uh, it's Kyle Chandler and it's him. It's very good. That's one uh, worth watching yeah. on, on Netflix if you want to get a little more sense of him. But just stand he's in out. Rogue yeah, and he's I, the, I, I didn't realize like, he's the bad, room. like the main, like one of the main bad guys, just right. really, really good actor. As the last part of this episode, now we have Fury and Talos trying to get information about the attack. They are getting information from Gaia. She actually gives the information to Talos. Fury calls Sonia to try to get some information from her. And keep in mind. He's got her bugged so he's able To get some of the information that He needs when he hears Sonia talking about it They find out Portsmouth Naval Command uh, Naval Command Headquarters is there And um, So they're getting The information that they need So we see Talos and Fury Go to try to stop this attack from Happening Talos makes a comment about Dogs and humans Doesn't really understand that and they now there's a lot have, of
2: dogs. Uh, sorry to interrupt. There's, this. there's another, a lot of a like mention of too, dogs,
0: right? Throughout. Yeah, yeah. Like the Gravik talks about w- rather being a dog,
2: right? Than a human and and then Talos later calls him a dog uh, before he attacks him in the restaurant yes. too. He yes, d- Derides him as Th- a dog. This can't and then, be, You're
0: right. They, they, yeah. These things aren't coincidental. That they pick that animal, right? They didn't say like a beast. That they just yeah. said dog three times instead of wild animal or. Any Mm -hmm. other reference that they could have made. And it leads into a tangent where Fury says, yeah, because that's what I've been doing all along, cleaning up your shit. And this is where (laughs) Talos just says, no, no, no. Wait, I came here in 1995. You were a nobody in the in the offices of S.H.I.E.L.D. said you started ascending the ranks. When me and 19 of my people signed on as your invisible spy network, we fed you more dirt and intel than you could have uncovered on your own in a lifetime. Every time you were promoted inside S.H.I.E.L.D., we did that. Every terror attack you prevented, we did that. Every enemy you sabotaged, every ally you leveraged with no—with dirt no one else in the world had access to, we got that. Because, look, you're smart, you're capable, nobody questions that. Your life got a hell of a lot more charmed once I came into it. And you know what? I don't even get a bloody thank you from you. It was my pleasure, mate. Least you can do is not rewrite history when the guy who helped you write it with you the first time is sitting right next to you, <laughs> which is good. But this was another moment where I felt like Fury would have fought back at him a little bit,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? What are yeah, you saying? Maybe, like yeah. I did all. Instead, he just stops and doesn't say anything. And Talos says, "Why'd you stop?" Said, well, we're here at Bob's. Remember Bob, the guy that'll launch a nuclear attack, and Talos kind of realized, is like, oh, sorry, I, I did kind of get off on a tangent there. You know, my my fault. And I just thought this was kind of a funny line. He says, no, you were too busy riding the we did that wave. You got any more of these you want to hurl my way, or are you ready to go take care of Bob? And then I get to say, we did that. Talos says, we can do that.
2: (laughs) That's great.
0: It was pretty funny there. They, they have at, good
2: chemistry. Those two do. actors together, really they just, good chemistry. They're,
0: they're just fantastic actors, too. Yeah, and like, you just—it's one of those things where it's like two good athletes. You like roll the ball out there on the court. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you give them like an hour or two, and you sort of let them cook. Um yeah. And I think that's why the the story—the best part of that train scene in episode two—was the story mm-hmm. that Samuel yeah. was, ta- uh, L. Jackson was talking about his own family, and you can almost tell Ben Mendelssohn. Is like looking back So mm-hmm. admiring The story it's like he knows yeah. It's a real story you know and there's This like little sweet moment between the two Of them there that I like and yeah. it kind of reminds me of what happens At the end of the episode here As a uh, Bob mm-hmm. just this regular looking Guy he's out front of his house he's talking To his security team we see Talos and Fury They're in position to Try to infiltrate and Talos takes one guy out. Fury takes out another. They each take out a couple different guys. And now they're in the house. Talos sees Bob's son just playing video games. He leaves the kids alone. The kid alone. And he Fury. Uh, he radios to Fury. They're talking to each other. He says, "Sorry, Nick. I was busy kicking Bob's ass." Second <laughs> floor, last door down the hall. Copy that. So Fury goes upstairs. When he gets in the room, it was a trap. Bob actually has uh, Talos at gunpoint. Yeah. And so Talos was forced to call in, to radio in. That's why he called him Nick, which very right. few people do. Uh, he's known as Fury. Uh, mm-hmm. But but Fury, he's he's sharp. He didn't walk in there with nothing empty-handed. He has Bob's son as his hostage. <laughs> and he's just got him like, ready to kill the son if need be. So there's a little back and forth where Bob says I'll let him go and you let my son go. I thought it was funny that uh, Fury says this is not a negotiation. Bob didn't he play in the movie The Negotiator? You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was starring in a movie like that was like that title, which was funny. Yeah, Uh, I just that's made me laugh. It's like a Samuel L. Jackson thing, right? Like he gets to say the line of like a movie he was (laughs) in 24 years ago. um, But what's crazy here is Bob's a scroll. He's an evil scroll. But he mm-hmm. actually loves his kid. Like yeah. he um he he's willing to sacrifice everything or he's willing to, you know, give himself up for the health of his child. And that's that's what ends up happening. Fury mm-hmm. and Talos actually uh Fury lets the kid go, but they tie up Bob. Um and you know the they notice some radar on the the computer. I mean they they keep Bob and the kid there, they don't kill him mm-hmm. But they have them in custody He can sense mm-hmm. that Bob Has already been A big part of this attack that's that's Going on, right? We've seen the pieces yeah. For this attack throughout the whole episode The, the graphic set up these guys The scrolls that are in the British Navy, they've got files So we've seen all of this taking place Now Bob is like the last Piece of the puzzle, he's the commander That makes the final call and he gives the mm-hmm. final go ahead when he gives a code word they're going to get set for this big attack And i actually thought it was kind of cool seeing the flashes to some of the the navy officers that yeah. didn't want to do the that didn't want to go a- ahead with it like one guy is yeah. like what are we doing we're not we can't do this there's no way yeah.
2: It must be a mistake or something. Like, let's check on this. Like, what's what's going on here? We can't just fire. The other guy's like,
0: no, but this is our orders. Like, we have to do this. This is a direct order. We can't get it. Yeah. And I just thought that dynamic was kind of fun. Like, yeah. seeing these people who, they're just soldiers. They have to do what they're told. But, like, we always say, there's got to be a point when you look ahead and you got to know that the directions you've been given are are not correct, right? Like, you can't right, right. follow through with that. I, th- that felt kind of real to me. I— I think for one of the first times I did feel a little bit of the angst at this moment mm-hmm. when they were cutting yeah. back and forth and it felt like this attack was a was about to happen. And then right as it's about to happen, it doesn't. Yeah. We see that they you know they, they get to the they get the code word and um so the the moment doesn't escalate. Talos actually has mm-hmm. to shoot Bob, who yeah. transforms back into scroll form. And
2: Gaia is the one who gave the the code, right? Gaia yep, gives Gaia. the code because she's it's, doing her all along. They're cross cutting back to her um, doing her investigation and, and finding more and more. Uh, and then I think we we forgot to mention because it's the pieces of the puzzle right? on that computer. Yeah, yeah she finds get... on the computer at one point the the extramus file, frost uh, Frostbeast frost
0: beast file, and Groot. the brute file.
2: Yeah, so, so they're making the sees... super soldiers
0: based on that. Gaia is mm-hmm. able to get information from the inside of what her group is doing, of what the scrolls are doing. They're not only a group of rebel scrolls, they're
1: mm-hmm.
0: they're basically creating super scrolls. They're using DNA from other powered beings. Super soldier serum. is what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. They're they're giving yeah. themselves the super soldier feel, the super scroll feel. Gaia helps out. Fury's able to get some information from Sonya there. He kind of puts all of these pieces together and mm-hmm. that's what's able to help them Finally get the info they need at the Very end because Gaia yeah. Actually goes into a Fracking pod and has to yeah. go Through Bob's memories yeah. She she goes Through Robert Fairbanks memories The Commodore and she's able To that's how they are able to gain The access code Gaia gives that information to Talos Talos Radios the information And the launch yeah. is stopped right Before it goes off
2: and the code is his son's name, too,
0: right? Yes. Like it's Zachary. Zachary or
2: something. So Zachary. I thought that was kind of interesting. So it's like when when that scroll took you know Bob's uh, memories, I guess that's that it imprinted on him, I guess, a love or affinity for the son. And because it, this the son was so important to the like the real Bob, you know, that as embodied by the you know the fact that he like literally made the password his son's name. Uh, that you know that just that carried over. So
0: it, I, that was an interesting thing. And there wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me to find as we, we find more and more out about scrolls, because keep in mind, like we don't know a whole lot about them and, and mm-hmm. like all these things we're talking about, like their aging process, killing, what happens yeah. when they take the the shape of someone with the clothes or with this, or they naked, are they yeah. naked, or not you know, like all these weird like right. logistical questions that we have to ask? But one thing that wouldn't shock me is Like, if they're wearing a body or a person or this suit that, like, you know, it's in that the the longer you wear it, the more Mm. you become like that, right? Or, like, those memories or that person, that identity is, like, on you. And maybe that even leads to, like, who Gravik is more of an angrier person, right? Maybe it's part of, like, these these characteristics of the people that they inherited. Um, That could be... um, I think sort really of interesting. An, an interesting thought on that yeah. I, I I like the ending of this Between Talos and Fury
2: mm-hmm.
0: As Fury looks over to Talos and says Why didn't you take the deal? Gravix It's gotta be hard for you to be fighting with him When deep down in your, blo- in your bones You believe in what he's doing And Talos says 30 years, man, shit You still don't know me better than that? <laughs> Fury says, make me understand He said, one line I'm not with Gravic, cause I'm with you. And shout out to Why the guys he... on on the ringer. He said, uh, I think it was Joey, one of the guys over there. They said, if this was a rom com, that would have been the line, you know. And then like oh, yeah. that happens, that <laughs> and then in the background, it's like, let my love open the door, let my love open the door. You know, like the the Gin Blossom song starts to play, and like Matthew McConaughey is like running through this, like the airport. You know, like it's like that's the yeah. moment. It's like I'm not with him because I'm with you. You know, it was Yeah. I uh I I liked it. It was it was corny, but I I felt it. I thought it was good and mm-hmm. um we sort of get an understanding now about how close these two guys are. It just took us 3 episodes yeah. to get there, right? And and that's Yeah. That's kind of the problem. But Gaia, mm-hmm. she's on a bike. Mm-hmm. She leaves. Remember she just Was the one who gave away the information To Talos And as she's about to escape A big light flashes And it was Grevik, he was waiting for her He knew what was going to happen And we find out this whole thing Really was just a setup This was kind of a way for them To weed out who was the mole And who was the rat And they were able to find out That Gaia was the rat She was the mole This is a um. A double triple cross type turn yeah. thing we see in the, the spy movies um quite a bit. And he just shoots her and kills her. Like it, it happens so quickly here. Yeah. She says, Don't turn around. I want you to look look at me while you do this. And he just looks right at her and just shoots her, kills her. Yeah. He's just like, no way. Right? That's the kind of like my feeling here with this. Yeah, yeah. Um so what you wonder, like was this a scroll? We don't see her body yeah. die. She's got to have some sort of way of coming back to life. Um, mm-hmm. I so I like you said. I don't think anyone's just like Amelia Clark is not going to be back in another episode or like another part of this yeah. series, right? There's just no way that's happening.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd wager money right now to to be honest that that she is a super scroll right now. They they planted yes. all the seeds for it. She found you know all the information about how they were doing it. Uh, it makes sense that that's where they're going to go She did it with to it. herself, um, and, may, and
0: they may not even know, right? Like, she went and did exactly. it. I could have seen her doing this as she was going through exactly. the computers, in the fracking pods, finding this out. Gravik doesn't know. And mm-hmm. I, I— So he I, thinks
2: she's dead, but she'll yep. be back. She'll, she'll be healed just the way the extremists— Uh, He'll hand and then she'll have the same powers that he has Uh, there's there is uh, some speculation that this might be a setup for the MCU's version of a character named Abigail Brand who um, goes on to become the director of sword in the comics. Uh, It's a character that is I believe like part alien part human. Uh, And there's there's speculation, like I said, that, you know, this Amelia Clark character is the MCU's version of that. So I I think that that's a very strong possibility. If it's if not that specific character, they're going to do something for her where she's going to be a soup. And this is just setting her up for uh, inclusion in, you know, larger projects down the line.
0: Last scene of episode three, Nate Fury's wife or Nick Fury's wife Priscilla gets a call and she leaves. She goes to a train station, and then we see her go to what looks like a bank pulling out like a safety deposit box. She opens it up, and in an envelope, it's a gun. And as she stares at the gun, she gets a phone call, and on the phone, it is Rody. He says, mm-hmm. St. James Church, one hour. She says, I, I need to speak to Grevik. He says, yeah, well, you're talking to me. Hinting, watching this, you get the sense that she's supposed to be going to kill somebody. Right next, you wonder who, and this is where you ask a lot of questions. Her, Rhodey, is Rhodey a scroll? Two Nick Furies, is Fury a scroll? Talos. So you're asking a lot of questions. I'm, while the show hasn't been perfect, mm-hmm. while we have had plenty of gripes, I do feel the best and most intrigued right now than I have yeah. in any of the last few weeks. And I think you mentioned that a little bit earlier. Yeah. I am interested. In where we're going now more than I have been, it just it didn't get there, I think, as smoothly yeah. or as nicely as they would have wanted. We keep pointing out B minus, C plus. We're living in that range when yeah. I think they felt like in their hearts, people might think this is like awesome or an A, or maybe they felt yeah. like the reaction to it was going to be a little bit better than it than it is.
2: Yeah, they're certainly shooting for it. I I, I could tell that, but. I don't know if it's just the the overall weight of the mcu and and you know wielding all those various um, strengths and weaknesses going into this project if that's just holding it back a little bit and that's just an insurmountable um you know barrier at this point because frankly a lot you know a lot of these projects that have come out in phase four and five have been underwhelming it's kind of reset my expectations of the mcu when we started this journey together, we were very high on it, very like, wow, they're going to be doing all these episodes, all these different uh, like one after another, like movies, TV shows. And then when they started to miss and they missed again and they didn't quite hit the levels of w- what we were experiencing before, I think that it, it just changes you as an as audience member and as a viewer, as a fan, where you're you're not expecting the same uh each each time up at bat, and you're getting a little bit less excited for things and then the overall just uh the level of it it's just not it's not peaking like it was before during the the height of the uh infinity saga i mean those were exciting films a lot of them had a very epic scope and feel to them uh-huh. whereas now even the epic movies they're not really hitting on those levels but i think they're course correcting they're slowing things down we're starting to you know it's a giant ship so when they course correct it's we're going to it's going to take a while for us to feel that that shift so i think we're in the process of it shifting and this this show is about that so i think these episodes have been you know laying some groundwork to explain some plot holes for these characters and build towards something that's going to be exciting moving forward i think we just had to kind of you know, a sludge it, through this. It uh, feels this like the show is starting,
0: part. right? Like, yeah, this feels starting like it's starting now. Yeah, you're right. Like, exactly. we kind of both getting to it, but, like, it did just feel like a lot of buildup to get to the point where we're like, yeah. oh, okay, these characters have a good backstory and they're closer than we thought and yeah. they know each other and, like, oh, this. So, I'm.
2: It was like they were clearing away debris
0: these, these yes, last three episodes. Point, and now right? and now we're really building the new the new house. And Tim Kelly and I will continue brick by brick to build that yeah. house with you <laughs> over <it>. the next <laughs> few weeks. We'll be here to recap episodes four, five, and six individually each of the next couple <laughs> weekends. TK, buddy, thank you. I know we had a lot of ground to cover today. And- since we've talked last, you are a now father of two. Life like has changed for you quite <laughs> a bit. You. Congratulations again. Thank so, you so much. man, And just thank you for squeezing me in and, and making some time because I know things are very, very busy, and we just spent two hours talking about three episodes of uh, of TV. <laughs> but I love you, and I appreciate it, and everybody always appreciates your thoughts, your analysis. I always get great uh, feedback from it, and I uh, I look forward to diving into episode four with you next week.
2: Thanks, buddy. Love you, too. It's great to be back uh, chatting about these shows with you. Uh, today was a breeze. Three three episodes down in, in one shot. I, I There's a lot to talk about, and I had a great time. So I can't wait to talk about this with you next week and uh, finish out these last three episodes and then some uh, in the MCU and Star Wars on That's What You Said.
0: Everything in fandom Tim Kelly will be here with us Give him a follow at Tim is not funny On Twitter and on Instagram And you can get links to all the great music Projects that uh, he and his beautiful wife Have been a part of TK buddy look forward to talking to you next week You take care of those great kiddos I hope the uh, the wife is doing well I know the family's in town and They're going to be in and out So you've got a lot going on You be uh, Clark Griswold over there You hold down that family <laughs> I want to make sure everything's good and uh, we'll talk to you uh, in just a few days, buddy. All right. Have a good one. Don't go anywhere. Folks still a lot more to come on this episode. Of that's what G said. And that's going to do it for this episode. of That's what G said. Thank you so much to Tim Kelly, TK and congratulations to, again to him and his wife on, uh, Their recent child. So exciting for TK. He'll be back again with us next week to talk about episode 4 of Secret Invasion. We'll be back to talk more this weekend. Saratoga, Woodbine will have Louisiana Downs coming up all racing for this weekend. Chad Cooper this week in wrestling. We'll talk about everything happening in um, WWE, AW, NXT. We're going to preview the AFC North this week with Eric. And then next week, Del Mar will start. Woo! Love it. I love when the summer comes up and we are busy like this. This is the way I like it. Good luck, everyone. We'll talk to you again in just a few days.